0: This is the MLW Radio Network. Time to start your day the right
1: way with Front Row Material. Starring ECW Legends, Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrick. Now let's
2: welcome
3: your host, Mike Freeland. Welcome to another Tuesday night of front row material. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined by my politically challenged friend. His name is the RIT. Good to see you, RIT. How you doing, buddy?
4: Uh, Not too bad. Had a really busy weekend uh, this past weekend. But, uh, you know, caught up on some sleep, and uh, now I'm ready to, you know, keep it going on this Tuesday night.
3: Yeah, big uh, big past weekend we had with PPW, and uh, we'll be getting to that more and more as the show progresses this week. Um, everything else seemed pretty good with you?
4: Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm up here digging the, the new office, uh, you know. I had, had some great conversations with, with the boys this past weekend, and, uh, you know course talking to you almost every day
3: how about that how about that lucky you you get the chance to talk to me each and every day I, i'm Thanks. sure you wake up every morning going oh man i hope that guy calls
4: i uh, know uh, it's more like eh, let's see what he's doing on the way home because I, I don't want to listen to the radio <laughs> oh
3: i know i'm so loved i appreciate that Um, But you know what? We have a great lineup for you tonight. Starting off in the 8 o'clock hour, big guest here. Rit, would you like to do the formal introduction?
4: Hey, this man here is known in the Chicago area big time. He is all over the Indies and and our good friends, AAW. And he's made a name for himself in freelance. He is Mr. Storm Grayson. Hey guys, how's it going?
3: It is good. It is good, Storm. Thank you so much for carving some time out to chat with us tonight.
5: And thank you guys for having me. So,
4: Storm, you know, uh, what's going on? Uh, COVID, you know, kind of clearing up a little bit. Shows are happening again. So, you know, what's that aspect
5: out there in Chicago for you? It's nice. It's pretty good to uh, be back after COVID and everything because – Honestly, I know COVID would a damper on things for a lot of people. And I'm not downplaying the pandemic aspect of it, but for wrestling, for me, it was honestly like a le- relaunch of my career. So now it's a chance to actually show out all the work I was putting in during that time. So, 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 what exactly uh,
4: were you know, were you go into like a wrestling school at all? Were you hitting the gym or you know,
5: promo skills? What, what all were you doing uh, during the the downtime? I I tried to use the downtime to reinvent myself. I definitely got in the best shape of my life, partly because I wanted to reinvent myself and kind of push because I'd just been coming out of a surgery when we went into COVID. And so I was still trying to recover from that and get to 100%. And then once that started going, I was like, okay, what else can I do? And then once schools opened back up and I tried to reinvent the way I wrestled, now that I had put on a lot of size, I didn't have to do a lot of the stuff that had gotten me hurt in the first place. Not that don't have some of it still in my wheelhouse, but I really had to, it felt like I was relearning who I was as a wrestler and actually discovering for the first time who I was as a performer. And that was a lot harder to do though, without fans in the arena. So, so, uh, how was it the first time coming back out through those curtains here in the crowd? Uh, it, it was, uh, it felt like my first match did, where it was probably about the same amount of people that were there for my first match too. <laughs> but, uh, Those those 20 or so people felt like thousands. Not that I know what thousands feel like, but it it gave me a new appreciation for that where I want to wrestle like that going forward. It it made me remember what I love about wrestling. It's very easy to get jaded and bitter and want bigger and bigger things, but kind of got me into the mindset of I'm going to wrestle the same way in front of five people as I would full arena and have it mean just as much and be just as important to me. That first match back WrestleMania as far as I was concerned. (laughs)
6: Let
3: me ask you this. When it comes to to wrestling and, you know, you look at what the trends are in wrestling right now, um, you know, bigger bodies, sometimes some promotions really like that. Cruiserweights, the, the high flyers, some promotions really like that. Where do you feel like you fit in when it comes to a style? Do you feel like you're more of uh, the heavyweight type of guy? Do you feel like maybe you're a hybrid of the two? Uh, what exactly is your style and where do you feel like you fit in the
5: best? I think to a certain extent, I, I definitely am suffering the fact that I am still finding out who I am now for the first time I'm really starting to get that ball rolling. But when I started, I was under a mask. It was, it was tied to, I started training with Bryce Benjamin and at the time his school was tied to the galley school. So you learned American and Lucha and I started wrestling under a mask. And so I was doing that faster-paced smile, I was the style, I was a much smaller guy. Um, and I do, I, it's not a knock against it, I see the market for it, but for me, it was a matter of, I'm never going to be athletic as some of these people. I, I wasn't, I, if I'm on a show with these people, you look at a show like AAW, or Freelance, or Freelance Underground, you see some of the people on there doing this high pace stuff. For, for me to try to find a spot on those shows doing the same thing, but nowhere near as athletic wasn't gonna happen. I was like okay, what can I do? And this isn't—I don't say this to, to and drop, but you know I'm a Chicago guy, and Ali has been very prominent in Chicago, and I had a conversation with him once, and he said, and and I was asking him because I was trying to find myself. It was when I had first started doing the green kid thing, and I dyed my hair green. And he was, he asked me he asked me how I saw myself as a kid when I wanted to be a wrestler, when I pictured myself as a wrestler, and that wasn't how I saw myself. I saw myself as this bigger guy doing the style I like that's larger than lifestyle and I am a big fan of gritty wrestling um, I do enjoy people who are very good at the athletic stuff but that's not me so for me like I love messy ugly gritty wrestling and that's something I'm trying to get better at a guy like Rob Anthony and Isaiah Velasquez, those guys have helped me a lot working on that stuff and trying to find that sense of realism in what I do and, and finding and finding the time to pick the stuff that I can still do Because now one of those things that I used to be able to do that looked effortless because I was much smaller, they mean a little more now to be able to do them at this size still. And I do obviously want to continue getting bigger. That's something that's part of that journey that started during COVID. But it allowed me to put on the size and be legitimate and wrestle a slower style that I prefer and actually have it be believable and have people want to see hopefully.
4: (laughs) Uh Oh, me personally, uh, I was watching a few of your matches and stuff, and like to me personally, I kind of compare you to like a Cesaro, to where you're well rounded, you're great, you know, athletic skills, but when it comes down to it, you can get down and dirty with the rest of them. And so, you know, with me comparing you to him, who'd you kind of look up to uh, when
5: you first started watching wrestling? Well, it's funny, because uh, the the guys, first of all, it's a huge compliment. Thank I'm a big fan of that style of wrestling. It's a perfect example of the kind of wrestling I, I like and someone who I want to wrestle a similar style to. But growing up, I was a style like I was a fan of uh, like crash style wrestling, like Jeff Hardy, like these big these big crazy things, and that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I was doing when I first started wrestling. I was jumping off of everything I could, but. A guy like Jeff Hardy, he wasn't doing all the in between fast stuff. It was those those big moments. And like sure sh- sure I could do those and then wrestling started to evolve into all these high paced transitions and all these athletic things that I was like, okay, that I can't do and I wanted to and I wanted to say I could, but it, and I think there is a lack of self awareness at times like <laughs> when you when you wanna do something that's maybe out of your wheelhouse and then I I think I had to humble myself and be like, Okay, you can't do that but that allows me to be Let's like Jeff Hardy now where I can pull out those things every now and then when I need to. But I think my my the kind of wrestlers I look up to has, has evolved a lot over the last few years, especially once, once I started wrestling, but really the last few years once I started to understand what wrestling was a bit more from a performance standpoint, not just as a fan. So like I, I became a much bigger fan of guys like Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak and... And then those guys who work that grittier style with all the athleticism in the world when when they need to. But they're also legitimate tough guys. Everything they do is believable. And I love that about that style of wrestling.
3: You know, it's interesting you mentioned different styles. I mean, you know, one unique style that always comes to mind is Shakara. Um, that definitely has its own very unique style. Uh, GCW uh, definitely has its, its own style. CZW has its own style. As a wrestler, do you find that you may be willing to say, and eh, not so much to a booking if it's something that might be a little out of your wheelhouse, or do you feel like, you know what, even if it is something I haven't thought about before or it's something I haven't dabbled in before, I'm willing to give it a try.
5: No, I think I'm definitely open-minded to it. And I think that's something that's come with like the the the, the maturity of being a performer. The last few years is cause there was a lot of opportunities I blew from trying to wrestle a style that wasn't my style. I mean you get on a pre-show at some of these some of these more well-known companies and you're seeing these guys do these crazy things and you try to wrestle that style, but that's not what you do, and that's not why you were brought there either. And there were definitely a couple of times where I got these opportunities and I wasn't brought back because and they they told me like that's we've got a million guys on the show doing that already. And so I think the biggest thing that kind of came out of COVID for me was that confidence. And I know that's something I've really tried to enforce at AEW, even though it's most of the stuff I've done has been these shorter matches. But when you're on a card with people who are doing things you couldn't even dream of doing, you can't go try to wrestle their style. You have to do what you do and try to get what you do over. And sometimes it doesn't work. But I think that's the goal at this point for me, is to try to wrestle the same way I do on any show and adapt it rather than trying to completely change what I do and do what they do. But that's what they do. That's not what I do. I was, you got to stick. Well, I think I got to stick to what got me there at, at a certain point. And while still trying to cater to what those people paid to see, because they deserve to see that.
3: Now that's a really good point because I think it can be very easy to fall into a situation of, Oh, such and such did this. And that got a great reaction or such and such did that. And that really worked for them. But to know what is best for you, and what's best for your character and your style. It sounds like you kind of are talking about what it's like to build a brand and to build a name for yourself. So when you go to some of these promotions and you have some of these matches, do you get instant feedback afterwards, or is it typically a few days or a week before somebody reaches back out to you and and lets you know how they felt the night went?
5: Uh, It depends. There's times when it comes to promoter, there's times where they don't get to see it, especially things that are early on pre-shows or pre things, because they're running around getting everything ready for the main show later. They've got a million things going on and I understand that. So sometimes it'll take them time to watch it back before they can give me honest feedback. And, but in terms of me getting feedback, I'll find anyone who's willing to watch and I'll ask them. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, to try to make them look good. I genuinely do. I mean, there's a lot of people who I chose at, at Freelance, I'm always asking guys like Rob and Jazz and all those guys when I'm at AAW, Jake something, Rohit Raju, Hakeem Zane, whichever name you want to call them, guys like that, guys I've known for a while who have watched me grow up in wrestling, who who I trust to be, trust to tell me when I suck. Because there are times that's going to happen. I don't want people who are going to tell me uh, things that aren't going to get me better. Like, it's, it's, like We all go through it. We all have to check our egos at times at times, and I think that's been the best thing for me too, is when everything's gone, like we said, COVID, when everything's pulled away, you kind of humble yourself, especially when you see people going and getting signed and the, you can't be bitter about, them. you have to be happy for them. It's like, okay, that was not my spot, that was theirs. Now there's a spot that I can find here. And then you got to find that role and, and take that role. And that's not gonna happen if you're not willing to be told when you suck. <laughs>
3: Is there anybody who's, you know, given you any type of advice or information, you know, pulled you aside that has stuck with you throughout your career so far? Uh, Maybe it was uh, over a cup of coffee or maybe it was just a few words backstage or maybe during a car ride that, you know, kind of resonated with you and, and really is something that you remember to this day.
5: Uh, That's a tough one. That's a tough one on the spot. But uh, I guess the most recent example, like it was kind of actually I just still part of it, was from Robert Anthony when he first came to help out training at uh, the Freelance Wrestling Academy. That is where I trained in Chicago. And it was just about like attitude for wrestling and bitterness and stuff like that. And it was while everyone was getting signed. It was a matter of like, hey, this business isn't designed to make it. And like it's really easy to get caught up and be miserable. And no one wants to see you wrestle when you're miserable. It's not fun for anyone. It's not fun to do. It's not fun for people to watch. And he and he really put a lot of things into perspective, which made me really appreciate every match. And if it was, if he said, he said it. He said if it was your spot, you would have that spot. If that wasn't your spot. That wasn't your path. And, and there was a lot of frustration with a couple of surgeries early on, and wrestling and all these setbacks. And every time I'd get more frustrated, but the more frustrated you get, you dig this hole deeper and the harder the deeper the hole the harder it is to get out from it and the last year really even including covid even those little empty arena shows i've had more fun wrestling over the last year than i probably ever have and and in turn i think i've seen more success but i've had opportunities i never would have and i think a lot of it comes down to attitude and me actually just letting go and having fun and being appreciative of every little opportunity rather than trying to figure out why i'm not somewhere else i want to be and I, I think in turn that's where the success comes from. If you're if you're not and I went to okay, fine, another piece of advice and it was Kylie Ray and she she passed it down to me was if, if I believe the quote was, If you're not happy where you are, you're never gonna be happy where you're going. And that really made me like slow down and appreciate things and work on the little things that I think have gotten more opportunities.
4: Well, uh, you sit there and, like, when you train in wrestling, you train for the crowd. How did you adapt, you know, wrestling in front of empty arenas
5: with, you know, nobody there? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, um, when you're training, you do all these practice matches, and they always say these are the hardest matches you'll ever have because it's awkward. You're in front of your peers, and that's it, and then there's no instant feedback. Yeah. Um, but you'll it'll it'll be either once you're in front of a crowd and then you do it and you think you're never gonna have to do it again on an actual show and then all all of a sudden now we're resting on shows in front of nobody and it was hard because there I think if it had been a few years ago for me it would have been a lot easier because I I wouldn't have the confidence or freedom to listen I wouldn't even begin to know how to listen to a crowd I'd just be doing what I decided I was going to do Um it either way but. The stuff I've been working on with guys like Robert Anthony and Isaias are, are 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 learning to listen to the crowd and and do stuff that you feel is right and then trying to put that stuff into play that you're learning and you can't do it because there's no actual feedback. I know the, the, the Fight Forever show and the 24-hour um, live stream in Philly was one of the... It was one of the hardest matches I've ever had. It was only about six minutes, and it was with a guy I've trained with for the last year or so. And just the awkwardness of being in that room with nobody, it it was a surreal experience. It was cool once it was over to say we got through it. But it was definitely weird. And I hope I never have to do it again. But I, I do, I think it added some confidence that if I ever do, it'll be fine. Like practice matches, things like that, tryout matches, and stuff like that. You already had to do it on a real show. Now it's fine. Like You can get through it.
3: When it comes to, obviously, wrestling on the indies, is there certain people that you've gotten a chance to work with that you feel like you really have clicked with? Uh, I know you kind of touched upon some of those before, but is there anybody that you felt like you had instant chemistry with the moment you started working with them?
5: Uh, That's another one that's hard on the spot because there's a lot of people. I think the the best ones for me have actually been the freelance students. Um, I mean, there's definitely people I've clicked with instantly that, I think I had good matches with, but they weren't people I pulled multiple times where you could really see that. Sometimes you just hit, sometimes you don't. But even with the same person. But I think the people I'm most confident and comfortable with of anyone are the the freelance kids because I spend every second I can like training with those guys. I know their stuff. If uh, they don't, they don't have to explain to me what their moves are, and I and I just have that level of trust with those guys. Like I genuinely like care about all the students at the free school like all of these younger guys and i think i have more chemistry with them than probably anyone at least at least for me i don't know if they feel that way they might they might feel like they're fighting an uphill battle with me but when i'm working with them i do feel like and this is going to sound cheesy but i i do think they have a great setup there where it does feel like a family and i genuinely care about them and i want them to have the best match they can as well as myself of course uh, but so I do think those are probably the people like i, I I'm, at most used when I, found, I find out I'm wrestling them because nothing I have to stress about. It. It's just like another day of training.
4: Well, you sit there and say that you like to go out and, you know, scout their moves, you know, know all their moves and stuff. So when you plan a match, are you the type of guy that, you know, wants to plan everything out or you want to go out there and work on
5: the fly and just have a couple of bullet points? Um, I think so. I think I'm in a bit of a transition period at this point where i was someone who would call everything ahead of time just out of fear and i could remember that um and then it was something with a couple guys in in ohio that some older older vets that i had worked with uh, like pre-covid and they had really kind of forced me out of out of that because they didn't call anything but of course i was just listening to them i i don't have that i don't think i'm at a point where i have that skill set to completely lead on my own, but I do have this set where if something goes wrong, I'm fine. And I am trying to leave more and more room in my matches. Now the crowds are back to listen to those crowds and do, and I want to transition, continue transitioning to a person like that. I think I feel more comfortable with that, but at the end, at the same time, uh, part of it's out of necessity. Coming out of COVID, you, you get into a groove of being able to remember all this stuff and you're wrestling constantly, and it's like second nature. And then I found coming out of COVID, like, I didn't have that anymore. Like I tried calling all my stuff and I couldn't remember a lot of it, and I was like, okay, I need to call less and figure out how I'm gonna do this. And I've slowly added. I mean, it comes back, but uh, I, I've been. I started. I had my first match in 2014, so to go that stretch, it felt like that's all. Like I even with surgeries, you still you still watch, you still around it constantly, so these you can have you can remember these matches like it's nothing. But then coming out of it after that year and a half break of just sitting inside and just working out in your own head, it was really hard for me to try to remember stuff. So out of necessity alone, I had to try to dial that back. And then once I started doing that and working with guys like like Robert Anthony and like having some actually, like we had at secret set. I was like, oh, this is how easy and fun it can be. That's what I, that's the point I want to get to. And I know I keep bringing him up, but I, I think him and Isaiah have been like the two most influential people over the last couple of years who have really helped me find myself as a wrestler. Um, and that, that takes nothing away from Bryce. Bryce has been my trainer since twenty thirteen. He taught me everything I I knew. And so but it does help to add in different perspectives. So I don't wanna seem like I'm taking away from anything he's done for me or 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 taught me. But I but those were a couple of guys recently who I've worked with and been like, hey this is stuff I want to work on and they help me find that and I'm trying to find a balance of all this fun, exciting, fast-paced stuff because it's easy to go the other way too and just be boring and I ran into that problem too. Um, I think I'm just trying to find a balance where I can call what I need to call and then just listen and learn to feel everything else.
3: You would mentioned before, obviously, injuries and things happen. What kind of injuries, you know, talk to us a little bit about the bumps, the bruises, the aches, the pains, all that kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that wrestlers go through. Uh, I know there's a litany of them. If you want to share a few of those with us.
5: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had the usual ones that all have the perpetual lower back pain and the neck pain and all that stuff. But and minor sprains and stuff like that. But the two major ones I had where I've had surgery on both my shoulders. The first one was a long time coming. It was just a matter of uh, having the time to do so or finally just going like, okay, I need to get this taken care of. And, then, and that was the first one. And then unfortunately, the right was kind of all at once. I tried to, to I mentioned my love for Jeff Hardy and all those guys. And I tried to take the, the four table bump from the ladder and none of them broke. And I just kind of bounced off and, the only thing that really exploded was my shoulder, so uh, that that one uh, that one was all at once. That one I had to get taken care of right away. But uh, and I had just come back from that one right before we went into we went into lockdown. So it was just I probably had two matches uh, before we went into lockdown. Two singles matches anyway before we went into lockdown. So.
3: When it comes to, to wrestling, we often talk to people and it's an interesting story about where they got their gear. Um, was it something that was a hand-me-down or was it something that somebody put you in contact with another person? How did you end up finding your first set of gear? How did that, uh, what was the process of that?
5: Um, so my first set of gear, which was very mismatched, um, the the mask, I mentioned the mask earlier, that was passed down to me through the Lucha Company. I believe a couple of people have had 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 that mask before me. And at first it was just given to me for a chance to kind of try to get it in front of a crowd and get some reps in before, cause I had other intentions. I, I didn't plan on wrestling with the mask, but it was a nice way to ease me in and then kind of caught some momentum. But I, I my first match, I was wearing that mask that was passed down to me, Bryce's trunks and a pair of, uh, a pair of boots that were given to me by um, another one of the assistant trainers, uh, Mason Conrad at the time. And so I just, and then my training knee pads. Also, none of these matched in color, by the way. It was a red and gold mask, um, whitish silver tongues, cream colored boots, and black knee pads. So <laughs> I looked like a million bucks. But um, <laughs> after that, because uh, that match was out of nowhere, my first match, that, that was due to a cancellation. It was my second match. But by the second match, they had found the rest of the set that matched the, matched the <laughs> mask. So I looked a little better for that one, at least. And then I slowly just kept piecing together generic stuff that matched the colors. And then, then you know, it goes, once I lost the mask, I'm like, okay, let's find who I am, try to get custom stuff made. And then that's gone through a series of that. So I'm now at a, I'm now at a point where I can have my own custom stuff. But the, that first that first match was not um, my finest look.
3: When it comes to, I'm glad you brought this up, you know, sometimes there's cancellations or sometimes people can't get to the event, the venue because of weather, or maybe a personal reason came up or travel reasons. Um, We've heard sometimes that promoters will just tell people to come on over, even if you're not necessarily booked for the show and just, you know, kind of hang out because anything is possible. Are you a big believer of that as well? Just, Hey, you know what? There's a show that's not that far. I'm going to grab my stuff and go and just maybe hang out with the boys in the back. And if they need somebody.
5: Absolutely, um, and that's how any of the stuff I've done at AW happened. I I got permission to come help with Ring Crew, and that's the case. I mean, my first, my the only reason I started working and I did was due to cancellations. I was there helping with sound. It was it was it was underground. At the time, it was just underground wrestling. Now it's freelance underground. Um, but someone someone had to cancel, and I was there. I had a mask and kind of gear and they asked if i could go if one of the the, one of the vets could uh could help me through it for about six minutes we went about three and uh, (laughs) um finish was in once again my finest hour but we got through it enough for them a week later at the lucha half of the that building for galley uh when someone else showed um to get another chance i did and that one went slightly better and, uh, the rest of history after that, I, they booked me in advance for the next one. So wow. I do, yeah, I, I don't, and I think that's still the case. Like I said, like I'm still showing up, um, now I've had a couple of live bookings that were ahead of time for AW, but that's how I got in there. I, I asked if I could come help out. Even now when I send booking emails, I, that that's mentioned in there when I ask them if they have any opportunities, I, I mention even if it's just to help out because, and I think that comes with confidence too, right? That if you are thrown into something last minute, that you have enough confidence in what you do to be able to pull it out and show out at least. And, and that's all you can hope for. So yeah, anytime I have a weekend off or an extra day off or someone's got a spot in their car, that's something I do a lot more now that I should have done when I was younger. And I, I didn't understand this stuff when I first started wrestling. It was, you get mixed feedback on what you should go to, what you shouldn't. And I think the scenes also changed a lot Really, in the last even just the last seven years, it's changed a lot, and there's a lot of good promotions now, and there's not a lot of. It's not as scary to go to the companies. People are pretty. Lock rooms are a lot, a lot more friendly and welcoming, than the stories you hear when you first start. So, I I wish I had done like, and I obviously I'm not. No regrets and stuff like that. Things you you carve your path and you do things, but I do wish I was doing a lot of stuff because I've had a lot of opportunities from just showing up or asking to just show up and help out that I would have liked to have had years ago that I could be benefiting from now rather than just starting now. Like I say it all the time that it was part of what happened when I was doing the green kid thing is because I felt like I wanted to start over, that I wanted to do, be doing first year things six years in and things I never did, things I should have been doing and learning things the right way. Like I, it, it was half a joke just for the pun with the green hair and everything. But at the end of the day, too, that's what it was. That's what I was doing. If it meant selling tickets for a show, if it meant flying for a show, anything like that, the stuff I wish I had done. And that's what I plan to continue to do. I'm still there. every AW show you can see me. I'm there after the show until everything's gone, everything's torn down. And, and it's become a fun. Rather than feeling like it's a chore, it's almost become something I pride myself on. It's something I want to keep doing. And... I'm sure a lot of people say that, and I probably, there's probably going to be times eventually when I don't want to and I don't do it. But I would like to think that that's something I want to keep doing even after I don't have to. Well,
4: taking freelance, taking AAW out of the equation. What is your uh, favorite promotion you've worked for? Uh, you know, promotion, locker room, atmosphere, the whole nine yards, besides those oh. two?
5: Besides those two, are we including Freelance Underground with Freelance? Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I would have to say Zello, Zello Pro, and I, there's a that's not a knock on any other company. That's just one. That's probably the other most regular company I worked for. And I could have said the same thing about Galley, but I haven't done shows for them in a while, and they were another company that I started with, so that's unfair. But Zello Pro, I think it's a lot of a lot of same things, but there's different matches. And I think the. The, the shows they do with Turner Hall are are, are a lot of fun because it's, it's an all-ages show, and there aren't a lot of those anymore. Um, so there are times when like you get a different atmosphere when you're wrestling in front of families and kids like that, and I, especially with the style of wrestling I do, when they're not looking for I, – I don't think the kids and families necessarily are as demanding of – the kind of stuff they want to see. I think they just kind of just there for the entertainment and it does give me a chance to work on those things that I maybe couldn't do on a freelance show that are maybe a little too boring for a show like that and actually play around with it. But, um, yeah, and not to mention the, hall, the venue itself is incredible, but. Um, and there's a lot of freedom there too. It's another place, kind of lets you do your own thing. They give you instructions, but then after that, it's another place. You just kind of do your own thing. And it's a different, it's a completely different atmosphere because it's not a bar show, it's not a twenty-one and up show. And you, and like you said, you got to learn if you're trying to learn to listen to the crowd. Working in front of a different atmosphere is probably the best way to do that. So, uh, have you ever sit there? You said you work
4: these all-age crowds. Uh, have you ever had the opportunity to work heel? and have that one kid just get on your nerves so much
5: yes and no um, They're definitely and it's a lot harder to get annoyed when it's a kid cuz it's almost uh, they're usually not the ones like heckling cuz they're never heckling like to be rude
1: yeah
5: it's when it's when there's an adult that should know better who's heckling just to be disruptive and make it about them that gets annoying and there's always Every now and then there's one of those, and I don't mean a matter of booing and stuff. You paid your money and you deserve to be involved, but it's also don't make it, don't ruin the the atmosphere for the fans around you just because you wanna make it about yourself. But no, the the kids, I, I love that. Um, I definitely, I love working here in front of like all ages crowds because kids are easy. Kids get mad. Kids also don't hold back though. Kids are way meaner. <laughs> like, like the kids, the things kids say cut deep. Like.
4: Yeah. Uh, uh... Not to cut you off, Freeland. Uh, I've actually been at a show with uh, a couple of those adults you were talking about. They are just rude. Where it was two green guys in the ring. And about, I'm not even even shitting you, 45 seconds to a minute in, they start chanting, take it home. And that's completely disrespectful for those two guys in the ring. You know, I I said there, I felt bad for them because... you, you don't you, one, you don't want to hear something like that, and two, there should be no reason to even
5: be chanting anything like that. Yeah. no, absolutely and and I think that's the respect factor right? you can you can boost someone. you can tell them like, that suck like at a certain points like the, the one of the ch- charming things about these indie shows is like, you see people in their first matches. there's big people who I still see uh, who have been there since my first match. and like part of the charm is you see these people grow up and hopefully, Hopefully one of them will make it big. like, oh, I remember his first match. I was, I was there when people were chanting for them to go home 45 seconds into the match and now look at them. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I will never understand that. I'll never understand paying money just to go heckle someone instead of enjoying it. But I, I wouldn't go to a movie just to uh, complain about it out loud. To the people around me, I'd at least try to enjoy it. Even if you don't like it, there's other magic. Don't ruin it for the other people. Believe leave if you have to. If you're you're just wasting your own money at that point. And and I think that happens with wrestlers a lot too. And it's not just fans either. Uh, like I'll you'll hear things like that from like wrestlers jokingly. And I was like, I think people we all do. And like I said, we go through ego checks. We've all had moments where we were jerks, and and you try to humble yourself and learn. But like it comes from wrestlers too, where. Um, and I don't know, maybe a lot of like working with, uh, working more with a lot of like the newer freelance students and stuff since that academy opened up, maybe, maybe it put in perspective me because like you forget how bad you were when you started. Like you're not supposed to be good. No one's good. Right? Like <laughs> I'm still, I still don't know anything. I was trying to figure out how the heck wrestling works and what I'm supposed to be doing. So asking for advice, then it's like, and these people are, like I said, like these guys, like the Jake something, things, the Hakeem Zanes, like, Hakim Zayn's, like they're giving me. They're taking the time to give me this advice that they did not have to be doing. They could sit there and tell me how much better they are than me, but they're not. And so, who am I to? Uh, no one did that to me. I was very fortunate with the people, the, the veterans I had around me coming up. And so, uh, I don't understand from fans. I don't understand from wrestlers like uh, criticizing people for trying to get good at something that they're not supposed to be good at, but something that takes time
3: let me ask you this question. So after a show is over and you felt like it was great and everybody had fun and everybody's congratulating each other, how quickly does everybody jump on social media to see if people have posted anything? I mean, is that something that that people do fairly quickly or are you like, "Ah, I'm going to get a shower, I'm going to get some food in me and maybe I'll check it out? Or do you think a lot of people... Yeah, I want to check out what was said on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Does that ever cross your mind about instant reactions? Because we have that nowadays with social media being everywhere.
5: Oh, it's absolutely immediately. The moment anyone comes to the back, at least the majority of people, they pull out their phone to check Twitter because uh, <laughs> it's a live show. Um, and even, even the pre-taped ones, I, I know for me, if a show's pre-taped and hasn't aired, I won't watch it when it airs because by then I've had too much time to like, get in my head about whether i liked it or not and if i'm if, if i also if i didn't enjoy a match i won't go online because like i i don't <laughs> i don't want to know what people are saying about it yet um and the, the youth, more often than not wrestlers sh- are and probably should be too uh harshest critics so there's for the most part the matches are never as bad as you feel they are but if i'm not happy with it i won't check my phone I'll I'll wait until I kind of calm down and I'm not an upset about the match, and then I'll go check, and then hopefully usually if there's something positive, you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. But if there's something cool you did or something dumb you did to, that was dangerous, in a good way dumb, but something you did that was was dumb, you'll immediately check to see if someone got it or if it's up yet because if it's not, then you have to upload it.
3: So... <laughs> People like uh, like Jerry Lynn and like Mikey Whipwreck uh, have told us on numerous occasions they will not rewatch their stuff. Even just like you said before, it seems like it's it seems like everybody in wrestling is so super critical of themselves. But I think pro athletes in general, because they hold themselves to such a such a high standard of this is what I believe I should be doing. Um, but it permeates all the way to veterans who have won world titles all over the world. They'll do the same thing. And, um, you know, even matches you may not think might that have been great. That's in your mind, but guarantee there are fans out there for every jerk off fan who's chanting nasty things, 45 seconds. There's also people who say that was my first live experience and I loved it. And, uh, you know, everyone looks at things a little bit differently. So,
5: mm-hmm. well, like you said, uh, when we had talked about it earlier, like you're planning stuff out. You want a match to go a certain way. You have this idea of how you want it to go in your head, and it doesn't matter how much the good, how good the match is. If it doesn't go the way you thought it would go or the way you wanted it to go, it's automatically going to seem bad to you, right? Like you, like and you mentioned not watching matches back. Like anytime I'm happy with the match, I probably won't watch it back unless I have. I of my trainers or someone or, or more veteran wrestler to watch with me just cause I'm not going to pass upon that opportunity for my own ego. But for the most part, if I, if I was genuinely happy with a match, a match where I had the time of my life, I won't watch it back. Cause I don't want to ruin it. Cause it's never going to be, it's never going to look as good when you watch it back. Cause you're going to pick it apart. Now, I ha- I'm more, I'm way more likely to watch a match back that I hate to see why I hate it, or just hopefully hoping it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But, um, Yeah, no, if I like a match, I won't watch it back for that exact reason because I'm going to end up hating it once I see it.
4: Okay. On the indies, what's that one match that you sit there and can say without a shadow of a doubt, best match you ever had? Ooh,
5: that's
3: rough. Uh, We asked the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. (laughs) We told told Storm before this all started, hey, we're going to have fun. We're going to be laid back. You know, these are like SAT questions at this point.
5: When they're all questions that are like subjective for different reasons, too, that's hard because I don't want to, I don't want to mention one. Um, I think, I guess for me, like best match, I don't, it's hard because everyone likes a different style of wrestling. So I'm not going to say best match in terms of what people like, what people want. um, But I'm going to go with the most fun I've had, like with the crowd and things like that. And and it was actually a match I had at, Zello Pro and there's a lot of stuff I didn't like in that match when I watched it back, and it was but it was my first real like kind of decent crowd after COVID. It was still limited capacity, but um, I shouldn't say after COVID like it's not still going on. But after lockdown, the first uh, the first the first noisy crowd I was able to wrestle in front of it was an all ages shows, so it was all family stuff like that. And I wrestled I uh, Jacob Dean one of the one of the Freelance Academy students, and we just had the time of our lives because I, I was very nervous before the match. I told you I hadn't had a lot of singles matches after surgery before COVID, and definitely not working heel. And I, I remember the, talking to Brubaker and Rob before that match, and I was like, I don't think I remember how to do this. I think I forgot how to wrestle. <laughs> like, like, this the and I was so nervous. I was standing like like in Gorilla just just nervous, and I and Brubaker walked went out there with me, and I was like, I don't. I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I, I was like, the last singles match I had was like a year and a half, two years ago at this point. Because even before, I'd only worked one, maybe one singles match before lockdown and a couple of tags. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I went out there, and the moment it happened, everything clicked, and I was like, Oh, okay, this is what this can be again. And and I just had fun with, it. and I tried to let go of everything. And there's plenty of things in that match that I would change that I wasn't happy about. Um, and, I, and I'm talking about myself. I'm not even talking. About, I'm not criticizing my opponent. I mean, there's stuff. I, I was rusty, I'm, and also, I, like I said, I'm still figuring out who I am, but it was definitely the most fun match I ever had, and I think that was the selling point, too, because a lot of people I showed that match to were like, oh, that was a really fun match because we tell you were having fun, and that's kind of, that also helped into perspective of what we talked about earlier about if you're not having fun wrestling, no one else is. It's really hard to get people to enjoy your work when you're miserable because people can sense that. And I was like, and so now, even on a rough day, even if even if we don't have time to finish talking out when we wanted to talk out, if I'm still lacing up my shoes when the music is playing, I'm okay. Go out there and have fun. If nothing else, people are gonna enjoy a fun match. They're gonna have fun if you're having fun. Convince them that this is fun, even if it sucks.
3: <laughs> so let's kind of get to some fun stuff here. So, I, you know, I, we always kind of like to ask, you know, different wrestlers. What got you into watching it? What what was the big hook? What was the thing that you saw that you said, yeah, I could see myself doing that?
5: It's, I I never have a sad answer for this question because it was almost passed down. Um, my mom was a huge wrestling fan because her grand or my grandpa, her dad was a huge wrestling fan. So she grew up watching wrestling with him. And then so I was kinda just like born into watching wrestling with her and <laughs> and so like my earliest memories in life are of wrestling i mean i i my my i seeing jeff hardy jump off the ladder in a triangle ladder match was i was like oh i can do that the camera flashed everything like that but like i think i think it was more so like the sacrifice and moments than anything i know it sounds kind of sick like <laughs> but like i grew up on those those like ladder matches those tlc matches and i like well i i love guys like the undertaker and kane like the larger than life stuff but there was something about like It's gonna sound bad, I know, but wrestlers are all crazy. Like no one, no one should be wrestling. It's dumb. This is true. They
3: are crazy. You can say that.
5: (laughs) Yeah, like like wrestling objectively is like a really dumb thing to participate in. But I think it's the payoff, and I think that's what did it for me. I was like, oh, that payoff, because I see this dude uh, with crazy colored hair put himself through something insane, and then you look back and everyone's on their feet, and like he he made a moment that lasted forever for me, and I'm like, oh, if I can do that. And that, like for me, I think at this point that's what I want to do. And I was like, yes, it's cool to wrestle for an adult. I, I, I'm not criticizing at all. That's awesome. But like, I remember how I felt watching stuff as a kid. And like, and even even at a young age, I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to make. I want I want to be the one creating those moments. I want everyone else to be cheering for me because I sacrificed myself. I put myself through this for them. And like, you want to create those lasting moments because you know what it meant to you. And so I think I would think it was watching. I, I don't know a time that I ever didn't want to be a wrestler like is that as far back as I can remember that's all I ever wanted to do and I know that's the cliche cliche answer but that's just that 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 is that unfortunately is the answer and it's not more interesting than that but I think the biggest selling point to me about loving wrestling is I want to make someone feel how I felt because there were a lot of times when I felt like there was nothing there but wrestling was always there and like I had that escape and I think that's where I why, why I am very. Still, based on, like the like realism and stuff like that in wrestling, even with like cool stuff, and like why I love that style is because it's so easy to get lost in, and and I want to provide that to people. And I think that's the, the coolest thing in the world about wrestling is that on your worst day, you can forget for five minutes if, if it's done right. So,
4: well, outside the square circle, what do you like to do in your
5: spare time? Sports, hobbies, you know. Um. It is part of the job. I feel like working out, but also any free time I have at night, like if I don't have to go to training that, I will just stay at the gym longer. I do enjoy being there. Um, so I genuinely, thoroughly enjoy fitness and eating right and all that stuff. And trying to trying to learn new things, I will research that stuff. Um, as far as sports go, I do enjoy sports. I do like playing sports. I don't get to play them as much as I used to because it's it's really hard to justify playing uh a full speed game of pick of basketball when you're gonna have to miss wrestling if you roll your ankle um yeah true like so it's fun to shoot around but it's not the same so it's almost easier to avoid sometimes because it's boring sometimes you're watching your friends play full speed and going hard and going up for rebounds and you're like oh this is this worth it no um i mean he's a blackhawks fan i love hockey um and and I think part of this too this is like the one sport I didn't play growing up that I always wanted to, and it's weird now that that's like the one sport I still religiously follow. Um, but yeah, I'm I have a Blackhawks fan. But when there's not a pandemic, Blackhawks convention every year, I'm standing in line with my eight to ten book, like uh, waiting in line like a nerd. Uh, <laughs> but that's um, yeah, definitely those are my two biggest escapes outside of wrestling. Probably are are watching hockey and uh, and working out. Who, I'm also a big video your, game guy, but who who's your biggest cherished uh, autograph you got from the Blackhawks? Um, uh, Danko, and uh, which is a, I know it's like a weird favorite player to have, but um, he's, he sounds bad. I hope a good thing I don't think he is. Um, but like, that that's usually not the most popular like player. Who wants a goal scorer or something like that. And I was like, I just always loved him growing up, and I and I thought he was the man, and then. Uh, there's something about them and like I love role players like I said about wrestling like I love utility players in general so like for real sports it works the same uh, the same way um I shouldn't say real, you know what I mean um, <laughs> but uh, that sounds bad as you know what I mean the non-wrestling the non-entertainment sports um
3: non-predetermined
5: yeah yeah which I think is what I love about them too is the fact is why I love watching sports is because That's the one element that's missing from wrestling, I think, because I grew up playing sports, is the unpredictability. As cool as wrestling is, the the more you watch it, the easier it is to figure figure out out what's going on. Yeah, and so anything can happen. And the anything that can happen part that makes wrestling awesome is the same thing that makes sports great for me. But um, I got the opportunity to uh, actually on my birthday a couple years ago, and I, I had a pair of gloves and um that he used to wear and i hadn't signed those but it was more the experience like i know this wrestling podcast but like it just does tie back to wrestling i was going through something at the time and he's done a lot of help with like mental health and i i don't think i've told this story in like a public forum like this but um i started talking to him about mental health and, like because they with they, they, the line wasn't very long like i said it's an obscure favorite player that like lifelong favorite player to have and um and I just kind of like broke down a little. As embarrassing as it was, and like the stranger, tough guy who made a living beating people up was just like, "Yo, come here," and just like hugged me and was like, "It's gonna be okay, man," and told me like what worked, worked for him and there's no like toxic masculinity or anything like that. And I was like, and he probably that he, I doubt that he would ever think of that story again. But it put things into perspective to me, and this is how it ties back to wrestling with meeting people. It's like I don't ever before that it was easy to meet someone who was like seemed like you thought you like oh you're kind of weird or annoying like not to call someone weird or annoying but it's hard like when you're tired you don't want to meet someone who's you feel like people are encroaching on your boundaries um and then I was like oh that five minutes from this complete stranger who's never going to see me again meant a lot and changed a lot of things for me and my perspective on a lot of things and so that is something that I've carried through wrestling is that okay I don't know I don't know what this two minute means to them, even if it's really annoying, and I want to go home and sleep. And so I've t- I really made me once again humble myself and try to make those moments count for them because you never know what that moment means for someone else. Uh, ECW fan
4: had a question. Uh, what do you think about getting Flory?
5: Oh, it's the greatest thing. Um, uh, <laughs> I mentioned Isaiah. I like we were on edge right because everyone was worried about him. I was a big fan to begin with, and then the- have an actual potentially cup contending goalie in Chicago was nice. But then there was the fear of him not playing or either retiring or being traded. And so we, I was actually out, uh, out to dinner after a Zella pro show on my birthday, uh, August 1st. And uh, when we saw the post that he was going to be playing and, um, and we had quite the celebration (laughs) at the restaurant, at least I did. I don't think most of the people (laughs) cared, but I was walking around the table showing everyone. Whether they wanted to see it or not, so I'm very so excited about a lot of the off season moves. Even though we lost some, uh, not to make this about hockey, but there's a lot of players, uh, young players that we lost in the process. But it'll be nice to actually, at least have some, have a glimmer of hope this year. So,
3: Storm want to do a, c- a couple uh, rapid fire things here for you. All right, these should be just softballs, pretty easy. Throw out first thing that comes to mind. You ready?
5: Yeah, that's what you said earlier, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: favorite movie? Uh,
5: I'm, mm, mm, i go favorite TV show instead.
3: We'll go favorite TV show. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Um, are you Marvel or DC? DC or just
5: as a Batman. Okay. I'm really bad with movies. I, that's why I said TV shows. I don't watch movies very much. They're too long for me. I know that's bad. Don't judge me.
3: No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> favorite book you've ever read?
5: Favorite book I've ever read? Fragments. Uh, I nice. read it in high school and it was awesome. Highly recommend it. Kind of obscure book.
3: Favorite place you've ever visited uh, for vacation or for fun?
5: I'm going to still say uh, Japan. I did train with Wrestle One while I was there, but, it was def- but I definitely explored a lot and it was the coolest place I- I've ever been in my life.
3: Do you have a favorite type of cuisine? Are you? Uh, I mean, if, if if someone says, "Hey, you know what? We're going out tonight. You pick the place. Where are you picking, and why?"
5: I do love sushi.
3: Sushi um, good. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um, and now everywhere has all-you-can-eat, so that's probably my answer. Nice.
3: Uh, Cubs or White Sox? cubbies good how do you yeah. feel about uh kind of I, unloading not, all of those guys i mean brian not, and rizzo and
5: not very good no. <laughs> um there's a hard question to answer at this point honestly is what it feels like um it was kind of out of nowhere um and that that is a team i used to I, I was much much more diehard Cubs fan like when i was in school still had time to watch stuff but that still hurt because it just it felt like the every last piece of that world series team now that, that made it special is just gone. It's like starting all over again.
4: I
3: felt like it was such a dynasty they were going to have because they had all those pieces and it was just like, they could be the modern day, you know, whatever the Yankees or some dynasty. And all of a sudden it just, things just didn't quite work out. And, um, wasn't Epstein the one who put that team together?
5: Yep. Well, I- and I feel like uh I think part of the disappointment was that like most like I like I've grown up Cubs fan, it's like and if you stay a Cubs fan, you're obviously like loyal. You had to go through a lot <laughs> a lot before that World Series and but like you remember what it was like. It was just like there's so many seasons where there's just no hope. And it was nice to finally have hope for a few years. I want, I mean we got one so you can't complain. But uh it was nice to have some hope. At least that oh we can actually not be the joke. And now it kinda just feels like we're back to where we were. I don't know, pre, even 308, three oh eight, like, uh, when we at least had that momentum.
3: I know Ritz got the uh, the question, the question of all questions that we're oh, going to no. ask you now, okay? Are you ready? I hope okay. so. Take this a swig your, of water. Do you got a drink by you? Take a swig of water or something oh, because this is going to be not. a doozer.
4: Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. First one's going to be really easy. Favorite podcast you've ever been on? Uh, this one.
5: Yeah. Um, material.
3: Beautiful wow. answer. I t- and I will
4: not elaborate either. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Hot tub time machine. You can go back in time to any. Freeland gets choked up every time. You can go back in time, do any wrestling match at any time. Take somebody out of the match and put yourself in that match.
5: What match is it and why? If it's not the the triangle ladder match, then it's Hogan versus Rock. And I think if I'm if I'm the only change then that match, then it's probably Hogan versus The Rock because just for that crowd, to, to have that stare down in front of that crowd while that's happening around you is the most surreal experience of watching on video. I can only imagine what it would have been like to stand in front of that, that crowd. Man, just sitting there
4: and the stare down.
5: Yeah, they didn't, and that's they, all I even want from it. Yeah, they, I just They didn't even moment. touch
4: each other, and they're just looking one way, then the other. That
5: place is electric. Yeah. you know. And yeah, and this isn't, obviously, this isn't a commentary on Hogan, because there's a lot for the person, right? That's a whole different discussion that we're not having. But the the atmosphere of that match, I think, is very... Like to me, that's what I, that that's what I grew up on. And like, I think that's where we look at pro wrestling at its finest of the moments and that stare down alone. It doesn't, nothing else had to happen in that match. That stare down alone has lived forever in clips.
4: Exactly. I agree.
3: Storm, where can people find you? Social media, where can they buy your merchandise? What are some upcoming shows you're going to be at at this point here? Plug Omania. Uh, the floor is yours.
5: Okay, uh, Twitter and Instagram are the the two I have, at Storm Grayson PW. Um, I'm trying to do better at them. I'm not the greatest social media person in the world, but I understand it's. I'm trying to grow up. It's part of the job. I'm trying to get better at it. So uh, trying to build that up. In terms of merchandise, I know it's pretty bad, but the best way to get them is either at shows or you can DM me. I'll mail anything that I have, shirts and everything like that. Uh, I don't have an online store right now. I did, and I closed it because I wasn't putting stuff on it. I'm going to make a new one. Um, but for now, DM me. I'll send you anything, and if it's, uh, and uh, we can just pay shipping and price, and I'll send it to you. Um, but the, the main ones is Twitter and Instagram at uh, Storm Grayson PW.
4: That's tremendous. Uh, you, you, you heard him, Freeland, right?
3: Yeah. What do you mean? I heard him. I heard him perfectly you, fine.
4: I, I'm just making sure he he said you got to pay him. Oh, jeez. I'm if not gonna. <laughs> if, <this>, if, <laughs> always... if this man goes and DMs you and asks for a shirt, ignore him. Why
3: <laughs> he thinks that I go after the stars and ask him for free stuff. I don't do that. I don't do that all the time. I mean,
5: does it work? Does it work? Some,
3: sometimes it does.
5: Well, then you got to shoot your shot at least. At this hey, point, it, you're too invested now.
3: You're right. <laughs> this is my gimmick. I can't change it at this point. Yeah. Uh, Storm, it has been a pleasure to have you. Hopefully our audience has gotten to know you a little bit more. We would love to have you back again to to talk more wrestling, uh, more stories, and more about your career, but we could not be happier for your success so far, and definitely let's stay in touch.
5: Right, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure, and I know I said I wouldn't elaborate, but thank you for giving me a very easy first podcast to do. I normally steer clear because I am a pretty awkward person. If Hopefully that didn't come across too terribly, but uh, you did great. You. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. Uh, you I got it, man. You're coming on, man. Thank you.
3: We'll talk Thank to you, you soon.
4: Right. Take care, Storm.
3: All right. That is Storm Grayson. Uh, great interview with him. Hopefully uh, you guys got to know him a little bit better. Um, just a very gracious individual and a very humble person and helping out with the ring crew and getting tickets and everything. It, it shows the love of the game. If that makes sense, you know, there's a lot of people who get into wrestling and I hate to say this for the fame, the fortune, the notoriety or how many followers can I get and that pat on the back. But when you see somebody who legitimately takes time to answer questions and expresses from the heart why they love what they do, uh, that's somebody special. And those are the type of people you want to get behind and you want to support. So please, by all means, DM him, order his merchandise uh, follow him on social media, send him messages, and uh, continue to give love to Storm Grayson because we have nothing but love for him here on FRM.
4: Man, exactly. It's like those people, the promoters will, will see, oh, man, you're willing to do this? Oh, man, you're willing to do that? Hey, I got to give this kid a shot now. You know, he's hungry. You know, it, it, just, just go on the shows and listen in the locker room. That there is, is an experience itself, you know, that sometimes that's better than anything else you, you're going to learn. Just sitting and listening.
3: And it shows your level of dedication, too, because think about it. How many people could say, oh, I'm not booked tonight, so I'm not going to go or I'm not on the show, so I'm not going to even go and watch or support other people or, you know, where he is right now. He could go and he could, you know, give advice or talk to somebody who's in their first year. So there's so many things that can be done that I feel like he's hitting on. And that's like I said before, and I'm not pandering. I'm, I'm just saying that's something special that you don't see in everybody in in a world that's typically i my me driven in a lot of ways in, in any profession but when somebody's willing to pay it forward and to do something for what's best for somebody else is uh is a big big deal so promoters out there please by all means uh book our man storm he's a good dude all right, we are going to step out for a very short break so you can get a drink, maybe something to snack on. When we come back, it's going to be Tom Mitchell. He's joining us from PPW. He is the media man there. Uh, he recently uh, entertained and hosted The writ in uh, Front Row Material and Future Stars Now as we did a live pre-show for uh, Aerial Assault. We'll be talking all about that and finding out more about who he is and what it takes to handle things backstage at a wrestling show. So don't go anywhere. This is for more material. I'm too sexy for my love. Too
2: sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. My shirt, Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy, it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. Take it.
7: And I'm too sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party, no way. I am disco dancing.
2: I'm a model, you know what I mean And I do my little turn on the cow walk Yeah, on the cow on the cow
3: back. It's your Tuesday night edition of Wrestling. This is Front Row Material Live. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined, as always, by The Rit. Great interview with Storm Grayson. If you didn't get a chance to catch that, by all means, as soon as we go off the air here tonight, you can catch that on demand. You will also be able to catch that when you go on over to our YouTube channel. And you can go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. We would appreciate that as well. And uh, if you would be so gracious to go ahead and hit the follow button on Twitch as well. That would mean a lot to us. Uh, we're always trying to go ahead and get more people to join into the conversations and to support uh, the stars and to support the panelists. Ritster, any other following comments before we bring on Tom?
4: No, no. I'm just, uh, I'm ready because, man, without Tom uh, this weekend, Man, he made things a lot easier for me. And where we chilled at was very cool compared to the rest of the building.
3: Well, you mean cool as in like it's where the cool kids hang out? Are you talking temperature cool?
4: Oh, I'm talking temperature cool. It was a cool
3: 64. Oh, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Well, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Let's bring Tom Mitchell into the here. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to Front Row Material.
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on the show, guys.
3: Nah, we are happy to have you, and uh, we got nothing but love for PPW. Uh, they treated us so very well this past weekend, and big show, you guys, Aerial Assault. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the show went and uh, how the crowd responded to everything.
0: Oh, so the show, from like what i seen, was great. Um, it seemed like a pretty busy show. Um, I spent most of the actual show itself backstage. I'm the backstage interviewer for PPW, So the very few glints that I got out, the crowd seemed hot. They were really into the matches I was watching. So it was a great time.
3: Let's kind of talk about that really quickly because, you know, your backstage announcing, that's a a big thing. And it's not something that everybody can do. It's a very unique thing to be able to hold a conversation with somebody, get right to the point, get the best out of them, set them up to look like a star. So tell me a little bit of how you got into backstage announcing and your, your backstage interviewing career
0: yeah so um when i actually started out with ppw so ppw is the first promotion i ever worked for when i started out with them i just was looking around like the general like northeastern pa area to see if there's any wrestling promotions around and ppw was the first one that popped up um so i reached out to the website was like hey i'm just looking to like possibly do some like content writing for you guys just learn more about you see if i can form a partnership and so i started out with writing and then eventually like my second show in um it was a joint show of impact and jimmy jacobs actually came up and was like hey we need someone to do backstage announcing for us and they're like well we have this kid we don't really know what to do with him um who were really high on though and he's like i want to like maybe put him in the backstage announcer role but they ended up not naming that night uh which is probably a good thing because i've probably been pooping my pants the very first show i ever do is for impact <laughs> Um, but, uh, it was good, uh, to kind of get that feeler out there. And then, uh, come the next month, I was right into it on the TV show. And ever since then for the past two and a half years, uh, with the COVID break, of course, I've been backstage announced for PPW. So it's been, it's been a great time, man.
3: Let me ask you this. How did you decide that interviewing was something that you wanted to do? Was there a situation of where you watched wrestling on TV, you saw the people doing it and you thought, man, that really interests me. Was there anybody, I'm going to throw some names out and I can tell you're way younger than I am. So these may not resonate, but like Lord Alfred Hayes or Mean Gene um, or Tony Schiavone or Todd Pettengale, uh, I, I could go on and on. Um who, Is there anybody who stands out?
0: Uh, mean Gene was definitely a big one. I just remember... Um like watching like Hollywood's when I was younger of like say like Andre Giant like choking him or like his uh promos with Hulk Hogan, just like things like that really resonated with me. And I just love just like how he always just like seemed to be like in control, like how he's this small, small little guy. These big hulking men like would like listen to him and just kind of like had to respect him despite like knowing they could snap him like a twig. So um I just I just always found that really cool and just like how like essential it almost was. Like it's not essential is not the right word, but it's almost like the cherry on top of, say, like a TV show to have like that backstage guy where it just adds an extra layer of realism and just professionalism. So I, I just really enjoyed that. The thing that I always loved about, you know,
3: an interviewer like um, like a mean gene, for example, um, or Craig DeGeorge or whoever you would want to reference is. Is that they're the voice of what is happening. They're the storyteller. They're the one who kind of sets it up for everybody at home and watching on TV to understand because, you know, it's one thing to see something on TV, a feud or um, any type of interaction, but it's the backstage interviewer. It's the announcer that says, oh, wow okay, they, they kind of put all of the pieces together and really set the stage for what's happening and the inflections and the way they, they interact and the way they speak. And sometimes they're used, you know, kind of as a prop or whatnot. And I think it's always been one of the most important features when it comes to announcing. What are some stars that you've had a chance to work with or just wrestlers in general that you really feel like, oh man, this is going to be a good one because we're just going to rip
0: right into it. Yeah, so uh probably one of my favorite guys to work with is uh richard holiday of mlw he's been to ppw uh quite a bit um before his mlw schedule really started ramping up um and like he is one of those guys i just have instant chemistry with uh, there's a bunch of guys on the ppw roster um evander james who now goes by mr james um and like as far as like names more known to like She's like the more casual wrestling fan. Melina is an absolute sweetheart. She has been a blast to work with. Uh Coco Beware has been an awesome guy. So I can I can sit here for like an hour and just name people who have been awesome and just so influential to help me learn, just grow as a backstage announcer and just really make me comfortable in the wrestling industry. But it's been it's been great so far. Has
3: there been anybody who you've reached out to who also does announcing that you've either seeked their advice or or maybe somebody who saw some of your work and said, you know, I would like to to pull you aside and talk to you about this because it is a fine art that not many people do. I mean, you know, when it comes to wrestling, I think we can name most of the people who do the interviews where there's hundreds of thousands of wrestlers that you can't remember, but it's it's the interviewer. So was there anybody who who talked to you or pulled you aside?
0: Yeah, so the person who actually um, first kind of took me in to wrestling, his name's Scott Fineout, the PPW fans. He's better known as Phil Bravado. He wa- he was one of the um, commentators and also one of the co-owners of the company before his real life started getting too hectic for him. He had to step away for a bit. Um, but he, after every show, like he'd sit back. He'd be the one who actually produced the TV show, so he'd sit back we go through all my programs, being been like, hey, the facial expression right here, like this could have been a l- little bit cleaner. Or, like, I don't like the way you framed this question. Like, you just uh, critique me. And I needed that so much, being so new to the industry at the time. Where I was like, because, you know, you, you have a sense um, of what you want to ask or how you want to present something. But then, like, you watching your back on TV, um, it might be completely different than what you're trying to go for. So it's nice to have someone um, who's been in the industry for a decade kind of like look over me and like just, be really honest with me like when i needed it and like let's just got sit back take whatever criticism he gave me as well as whatever compliment he said hey i really liked this or that so he was definitely the hugest influence when i was first breaking in
3: you know we're, we're going to kind of circle back around here it's like uh it's interesting because sometimes the, the flow of questions kind of takes us in another direction but let's kind of go back to the very beginning um who and why did you get into it? Meaning what was your first experience getting into the business?
0: So when I first got into the business, um, it was actually at college, I was talking to my uh, advisor at school and he's like, well, what do you want to do? Like when you're done here, and I was like, honestly, I'd, lo- I'd love to go to WWE. Like not even like as like, a backstage, like announcer or anything like that, but like studying like marketing. I was like, I love just like like their marketing crew um, and like really just like say like a live event market. I, and eventually worked my way up from there, but he's like, okay, so like let's start a little bit more local because uh, Stanford was like six hours away from my school. It's like, I'm not <laughs> driving there or anything, getting an internship there. He's like, let's look a little more local. And that's where I found PPW. They were the first one I popped up. when I looked up independent wrestling near me um, and I was just really impressed um, just with their whole presentation, like their website. Uh, looking at their Facebook pages because, like, you see some independent companies and like they don't look like as like presentable as others. And so I was looking through those. I was like, "Wow, this looks like really like legit." So I that's when I reached out. And I had like honestly like no intention of like become the backstage announcer. Like I really just wanted to like work and like learn and pick brains of people who've been in the industry for decades. And it just happened that eventually they needed a backstage announcer to really take their TV show to the next level and thought that I was that perfect fit.
3: So who did you first start to watch wrestling, or when did you first start watching wrestling? Uh, What year was it, and and what promotion did you watch a lot of?
0: So my very first memory I have of wrestling was actually – the rock versus Hulk Hogan ever 18. I remember I was like three years old at the time, sitting on my mom's bed. Oh my God. Yeah. I, feel I, I might be showing my age a bit there. Cow. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. But, yeah. I just distinctly remember like watching those two stare down at each other and that place just going crazy and just think that it was like myself, like, Oh my goodness. This is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like just three years old. I was hooked immediately. Then I got big into like undertaker and Kane. So I've always been a WWE guy. And then, um, really started watching NXT and the like mid 2010s, that boom period. Um, And I'm, like still a WWE guy to this day. I like AEW as well, but you know, it's always like your, your first one's always been WWE. So I've all for like the past, I guess 20 years now, been, been hooked, man.
3: And WWE is like your, your wife and AEW is like your mistress. It's kind of right. like, you know, <laughs> you got to stay loyal to your original brand. I completely understand that. And I think what draws so many people to WWE and I I can only obviously speak for myself, but it's the lineage. It's everything that's happened there. And the name is so synonymous with so many great moments in in history that that's what you typically go to. It's kind of like, wow, this is what it is. Um, So what other promotions have you gotten a chance to work for in addition to PPW?
0: Um, so, the you know one I've worked for um, outside of PPW is National Championship Wrestling based out of uh, West Virginia. Um, I've been reaching out. I'm starting to somewhat expand. I got some things in the works right now. Uh, but as far as I've actually been on, like, the TV for, um, it's been PPW and uh, NCW so far. And NCW's been great because they're on Fight TV, and they're, that was the first company. Um, I was able to get on fight TV with, so just being able to see yourself on flight is just it's such an awesome feeling.
3: So, what's it like backstage during get, getting ready for a big show? I mean, is there? Do you still get those jitters before every show, or is it at some point does it become a little bit more routine, a little bit
0: more comfortable? Or? Um, I'll say that it's pretty. Um, at first, there's definitely the jitters, um, mainly not even like being on camera because all throughout, like. High school and college, like I performed in front of crowds. Tom, where... I have
7: a question. I have a question. I have a question. What's up? What is that thing behind you?
0: Uh right there. Wait, that side here, over here.
8: The other side. I see the Olympic gimmick, but the thing on the other side, coming from the ceiling.
0: Oh, right there. That's yeah, just uh, a yeah. night, like um blackout curtains. For, for, I'm I'm on my base right now, so. Gotcha.
3: <laughs> you look you look uptight. Relax. Relax.
0: Oh, I'm good. I, I just naturally like sit out like, There you go. There you go. That's it. of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit
8: of a little bit say. a little bit of a little bit
0: of a you. bit of a little bit of a a lot. Bye. So let let me
3: ask you this. At of end of the day, you know, you you got, you got PPW. You got a lot of experience going for you right now. Granted, it is your home place, right? Where would you like to see yourself, let's say in five years from now? And I know that's the typical interview question. Where, where would you like to see yourself? Would it be being able to stay in, in the independence and continuing to be a part of that that big groundswell of a culture? Or would you like to see yourself more with a with a large promotion, maybe on a national stage?
0: I mean, I think the dream for anybody is to eventually make it to one of these larger promotions, but I'm having so much fun uh, with PPW, with NCW right now, that like I'm not really in any rush to like move up. I mean, obviously, you know, Davey calls tomorrow or something, that's a whole <laughs> other ball game, um, but as of right now, I've been just having so much fun with what I'm doing, um, just really creating magic on the independent scene with, I'm a very talented guy, so I feel like also, should be moving up here soon, sooner rather than later. So, um, yeah, if, if WWE or AEW, MLWT impact any of them come, calling, absolutely. But I'm not, not in any rush to do so, I'm just enjoying, uh, just w- working, um, in the independence right now.
4: Well, uh, being in PPW, you're going to be on fight starting next month. You've already have a little experience being on fight, uh, a little bit. What's the difference? And the biggest difference going to be live and pre-recorded.
0: Um, Definitely Uh, just the slip ups or whatever, Um, like with a question, like you like it's fumble over your words like you're live. Like, you know, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, roll through it um, compared to a pre-recorded like the errors from a very first show back in June that it took us like 12 12 to 15 times to like get out like a one minute promo it's just you know that's just how it goes sometimes but uh when you're live it's just boom one take you just gotta just gotta do it so uh that's what i'm most nervous slash excited about um like it's definitely gonna be so surreal just to be able to be live um streaming a fight like pay-per-view but at the same time it's like man it's live like I, i don't have any margin for error kind of deal so
3: when it comes to, obviously, crowds that come in and, and they are really familiar with the, with the wrestlers or whatnot, do you often have some fans that come in, obviously, with PPW who, who stop you and uh, want to get a picture or want to get something signed? Do um, you ever have interactions with fans like that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the cool things about PPW is we have trading cards for sale, like our shows and stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, That's um, Awesome. Yeah, so a bunch of uh wrestlers have their own trading card and then uh Paul made me one as well. Paul Bo, uh, one of the owners of PPW. So um it's so, like I'll have people come out to me like asking me to get like sign like the card with my picture on it, and whatnot. Um so it's just that I, I love it. And then like i like I had a few fans come up and like ask for pictures and whatnot, but but the trading cards though, just like seeing yourself like a picture or like Tom Mitchell backstage announcer. Like it just I, I just love that. This thing's thinking so cool.
4: Man, where can I get some of those trading cards at? Because now I'm I'm trying trying to yes. collect
0: those. Oh, you can get them on pbwwrestling.com/shop. Um, I believe if you just scroll down a little bit. You'll just see trading cards set. I want to say it's twenty bucks for like forty different wrestlers. So. Let me ask you this,
3: Tom, what, what's your parents take on this whole thing? I mean, obviously it's so interesting. Like when we talk to the wrestlers, they, they say, well, they tell their folks that they want to be a wrestler and it's like, ah, I see. And then you tell your folk, ah, I want to be in wrestling. But you say, hold on, I'm going to hold the microphone. Is it still a little bit of uh are they still apprehensive when they hear the word wrestling and they worry about your safety, kind of like a mom thing, or did they fully endorse this and, and kind of get behind you?
0: Oh, my uh, parents are fully behind it. Even uh, my grandparents are behind it. Like, my whole family just loves it. I mean, the nice thing about being backstage is I'm not going out there every night and getting slammed for 10, 12 minutes. Like, my body still feels good. I go home from a show. I'm like, oh, okay, my feet might be a little sore from standing the whole time. But it's not like I got slammed on, like, the canvas all night. So, um, but, yeah, they love it. Uh, they get excited, like, seeing me, like, pop up on TV or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, they're, they're fully behind it and I'm just so lucky to have that support system behind me because I know not everybody does.
4: Well, the backstage isn't safe all the time as <laughs> I, I seen firsthand, you know, Joey Martinez and bro Keller was pretty heated and you were right there in the middle of it. So,
0: oh yeah, it gets dicey sometimes. Um, i uh, before the pandemic, there'd be times where, um, yeah, like, I've got, like, slammed in the walls, slammed in the doors. Um, but, I mean, that's all what i got to do to get the interview at the end of the day. So I've just got go to go through whatever lanes I have to in order to get the story for the PPW Nation or the NCW fans. Let me ask you this
3: question. When it comes to doing an interview, um, is it basically kind of left up to you as far as the direction you want to get out of them? Or are you given bullet points on, hey, make sure they touch upon this, make sure they touch upon that? and then you kind of go with it and just whatever happens happens and let the guys kind of freeform and be creative or is it much more laid out than we think?
0: Um, for the most part, it's pretty le- relaxed. There's some um, storylines that we try pushing, of course, or be like, Hey, like I don't want everyone to tell somebody like what to say because at the end of the day, it's their character. Um, it's how they want to perceive themselves. So I was like, as long as you can touch upon like this point, or like, hey, I'm going to ask this question, like just hit upon this at some point, but and then just go for a minute. It's pretty much how that works. So they definitely have free reign. Like, like I said, like I'll, I want it to be like their character. I want them to get over how they perceive themselves, wanting to get over. Um, but as long as like they'll hit upon like what we're trying to do from a television perspective, then it's all good.
3: We often, you know, talk to wrestlers, and obviously, our most recent interview, Storm Grayson. You know, sometimes wrestlers will and will not watch their tapes back. Uh, from an announcer standpoint, are you in that same category? Will you rewatch the tapes again, or do you say, "No, I'm just in the same ballpark. I will probably slice this the thousand ways from Sunday."
0: No, I, I like uh, watching back, critique myself because I'll catch myself doing just some dumb things where I'm like, "Oh, uh, why did I do that?" and then I'll be like self-conscious of it next time. So I realized not to do it again. Um, so like um, that was one of the nice things about working with uh, Scott, Phil Bravado, is that we would always just like watch things back or uh, talk things over. Um, so now that like Scott really isn't involved in the wrestling world anymore, like I still want to do that just for my personal sake, where it's nice just to, like reflect and be like, okay, I could have buried here, killed it here. this This was so-so. Um, but I think that, at least from my perspective, I know watching a match could definitely be different um, because I could see yourself nitpicking yourself apart if you're going for like 10 minutes. But for me, it's really one minute, maybe two minute promo. And I really just ask one question, two questions, maybe. So it's not. Um, I, so anything I can improve in those like 10, 15 seconds that I'm actually talking, I will. How long did it take before
3: the guys kind of welcomed you in, and you became, you know, part of the part of the locker room, part of the crew, part of everybody? Is it one of those deals where there is a feeling out process as well? Everybody kind of getting to know each other. Um, what's it like, you know? Obviously, not being the, a wrestler, but obviously being somebody who's just as integral in telling the story,
0: in connecting with the audience because you are the voice of the TV. Um, I'd say that everybody was super welcoming. Um to me when I first started out, it was just more of like getting that on screen chemistry with some wrestlers. Like everybody was super way ba- laid back, like, Hey, welcome, man. We're happy to have you a part of the family. Um, but then uh, from an unscreen perspective, it's just like feeling out like how like to bounce off each other more or less. Some guys I was able to pick it up like no problem and others, you know, it took a couple months, but that's all part of wrestling. It's just like how some wrestlers have good chemistry with each other between the ropes and others need a bit of time to feel each other out.
3: I think we can do a version of a hot tub with this. What do you think about this, Ritt?
4: Oh, I definitely think I I was already already planning it. I love it. So, okay, bitch, hot tub time machine. Go back in the wrestling history. Anytime you want. Take any interview. Take the person out. And now you're interviewing that person. What promo do you want to be part of?
0: There's, oh my God. I, I can't think of the exact day of it, but I'm picturing my mind where The Rock, um, Michael Cole is interviewing The Rock and The Rock just absolutely roasts him. And I <laughs> think that'd be so funny. Uh, That's because my whole job is to get the wrestler over. And uh, Cole did a great job, um, like, just, like, just eating all the crap Rock was throwing at him. Um, just all the disses and whatnot. I think it would just be so funny uh, to be in those shoes and just have him just absolutely tear me apart. Because at the end of the day, that's what the best part of wrestling is, when you get to, like, laugh at somebody. Like, you know, just enjoy yourself. It's, they're there to entertain you. So, yeah, definitely, pretty much, like, any promo with The Rock, really, for he has a backstage announcer. Let me ask you this: you, you
3: touched upon laughing. Has there ever been a situation where all of a sudden somebody gets a case of the giggles, or you're in a, in the middle of doing a promo and somebody either said something that was just like "What the hell," yeah, and, and you're biting the inside of your lip, or you're you're trying to just stifle a, a giggle or a laugh or something? Any moments like that that
0: that after they said "Cut," you you just all kind of lost it? Oh yeah, um, actually, uh, the last NCW show I was at. Probably the biggest, like, laugh fest I ever had after a promo. I don't know how it held together. But so pretty much it was this promo. Um, this guy lost. Um, and, like, it was a normal contenders match. He lost. And then he was all upset about it. And at the very end of the promo, he goes, you know what, man? I'm just going to go and smoke this joint. And pulls, like, an actual joint out of his pocket. Completely, <laughs> like, unexpectedly to me. And I was just like, is this even allowed? <laughs> like... Like, wow was like, oh, you go do that and then like just uh throw it back to the announcers um and as soon as that was over i started bursting out laughing i was like yeah like tell me like uh, so hard keeping characters
3: <laughs> sometimes so natural sometimes they're gonna catch you off guard and, and sometimes it's a rib sometimes it's just hey that's what they said
0: so yeah wow uh, yeah I couldn't tell if it was a rib or not, but I was I was just trying so hard not to laugh. I was like, dude, like, I don't know if we can ever air this, but it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious.
3: Tom, if people want to follow you on social media, uh, where can they follow you? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? I don't even know. You
0: got an OnlyFans? That seems to be a thing these days. Uh, I, I do not. Might have to look into it. No, okay. Um, <laughs> I, But... um. <laughs> I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so Facebook, uh, just Tom Mitchell right there. Um, and then on Instagram, you can find me at Tom Mitchell Wrestling.
3: Nice. And uh, if people want to get autographed baseball cards from you, obviously can they DM you and say, meet you at the show or.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. If they, um, they're like, Hey, um, like I bought a set cards. I want your autograph. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude. Are you in West Virginia? Are you in a Broadheadsville PA, wherever you're at? Uh hope to see you there kind of deal. Tom, it is a, September
3: 11th. September 11th is a big one. I was just about to mention that. Are you really excited? That is the Wrestlemania, if you will, uh, with you guys. And that's going to be a huge night. So talk to a little bit about that upcoming show.
0: Oh, as you mentioned, it'll probably... No, definitely will be the biggest show in our history. I mean, it's a who's who of names. You got Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Kona Reeves uh ace austin fuego del sol uh Hutu Guerrero, guerrera enzo big cast buddy murphy now knows matthew adams uh casey lennox rachel ellery um and then plus like all your favorite pbw stars so it really is like an all-star lineup it's gonna be out in broadheadsville on september 11th i'm so excited for it it's gonna be an awesome time we are going to continue to plug that and we are super excited about working with
3: you guys and it's going to be so much fun. And I tell you what, Tom, it's so exciting to see the enthusiasm that you have for this. Um, you know, It's just exciting to see people love what they're doing and doing it very, very well. And I can tell you right now, everybody is super behind you and super proud of, of the growth you've made as an announcer.
0: I appreciate it. That truly does mean a lot. Thank you.
3: All right, Tom. Is there any chance we could twist your arm to come on back again? Oh, you don't got to twist my arm. I'll be back whenever you need me to. Sounds good. Tom, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Take care, Tom. Have a good night, guys. You too. Wow. That's so cool. You know, when it comes to wrestling, we get to talk to the wrestlers. We get to talk to the promoters. But we don't get to talk to the interviewers. And as we said before, and like Tom said, I'm pushing the storyline. You know, I'm trying to work with the guys so the TV audience can understand what's going on and, you know, kind of get these guys over. That's a hard job because he has one to two minutes tops to absolutely nail it. And that's a lot of pressure, but it seems like he has done it long enough and he has the experience. And you can tell he's got that million dollar smile. He's a good looking kid. And when he said three years old during Rock Hogan, I literally, I was about to fall out of my chair. I thought this guy is so young and I'm so not young. Um, I don't know, but it's cool that these memories are very cross generational where people that are your age and my age are definitely being able to be enjoyed by the younger audience as well, either live or, you know, by the use of the network or Peacock or whatever it is. So we all kind of collectively can reminisce on some of these really cool moments.
4: Yeah, uh, man, when I sit there and seen Tom, like, he he came out of the meeting, and I was just waiting there because, you know, I, some, a couple of people were like, will just go back to the meeting. No, I'm not, it's, you know, and Tom came out, and, we, and he looked at me. I looked at him, and it's like, oh, now we got a face for the voice. You know what I mean? Yes. And, man, just the, the open arms that him and Paul and Anthony gave me, like, was just truly heartwarming because, man, Mitch is like, okay, who do you want? Okay, let me, let's me let get this person, this person, this person, you know? that Then, you know, I'm backstage with him in, in the cool room. And just seeing him back there, like, working out, you know, everything with the talent, like, I've picked up pointers from him. And because he's been doing it a lot longer than me. And just just learning learning like little cues and little things. Okay, this and that. It it was a really great experience. And I was thankful that that he was there to help me, you know, and help us with our first show to work the kinks out of. Because like you mentioned earlier, that anniversary show number eight.
3: That is that's gonna be that that's gonna go down in history. That's gonna be a big, a big, big deal.
4: Man. I can't wait to be there live with Kate covering everything, you know, seeing, meeting. You know me, hustling and bustling. That's right. Gotta give me those digits. I need those digits.
3: You're something else. If you weren't so nice, you'd be creepy. You realize that?
4: Give me those digits. Give me those digits.
3: I'd be like, can I have that shirt? Yeah, but... (laughs) Anyway, uh, please follow, um, please follow Tom. We're going to go ahead and post all of his information for his social media accounts. We're going to continue to post uh, information about the upcoming show, which is going to be larger than life. Tom gave us a great rundown, but th- there's so much that's going to be happening right now. And just as a little message, if, if, anybody watching right now, either live or watches this on, on replay. Wants to get into wrestling. I think Tom's story is incredible. He wanted to be a part of something. And if you are willing to work hard enough. And you're willing to try. And he looked within his local community. Where can I start? Where can I get my my feet wet? Man was working with Impact Wrestling. I mean there's a seasoned announcer right now. He's going to be on Fight TV. These are things that I'm sure Tom didn't think about immediately. Um, but now he's there. He's in the game. He's doing it. And he's doing it at a very high level. So Take Tom's story, and if you want to do something there is where there's a will, there's a way they say.:
4: yeah, and you know Tom along with Storm Grayson from earlier, yep, they, they both took the initiative to go out there and do the little extra work and now they're both being very successful and they're both set themselves up for a great future.
3: I could not agree with you more. All right, guys, don't go anywhere. Uh, We're going to step out for a break here, but when we come back, it's going to be panel time. We're going to be talking about the latest news that has been hitting the world of professional wrestling in the last seven days. We're going to be getting the hot takes from our panel members to find out what they think. We'd also love for you to jump in on the conversation as well. If you want to jump into the chat, feel free to shoot your questions over and share your thoughts and comments. Don't go anywhere. This is Front Row Material.
2: Too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me.
1: Rest
2: in I'm too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for my shirt, so sexy, it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan, too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. Take it.
7: And I'm too sexy for your party, too sexy for your party, no way, I am disco dancing.
2: I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on on the catwalk on the cowwalk, yeah I do my little turn on the cow oh, I'm too sexy for my car too sexy for my Sexy for my hat, too sexy for my hat. What do you think about that, Holgan? Okay. I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on the cowwalk. Yeah, on the cowwalk, on the cowwalk. any good
3: oh my god welcome back to front row material it is tuesday night my name is mike Friedland. i am joined by my follicly challenged friend his name is the RIT. uh it's been a fun night so far if you guys are just getting caught up with us right now in the eight o'clock hour we talked um to storm grayson uh who is a professional wrestler if you didn't get a chance to catch that interview please by all means catch it on demand as soon as we go off the air tonight uh or you can go ahead and catch the audio version once we go ahead and publish this as well also we had a great great uh interview with uh somebody from ppw who was that
4: My man, Tom Mitchell.
3: Tom Mitchell from PPW. We had a great interview with him. He was talking about what it's like being a backstage interviewer when it comes to uh, working with wrestlers, what it was like to get into the industry, how he was accepted into wrestling, and his aspirations for the future. We have nothing but love for PPW. They will be starting uh, a relationship with Fight, and that is going to be coming up uh, their next pay-per-view, which will be really, really exciting. So, so many things that are going on right now. It's been a great night. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Uh, what else is on your mind right now, Rick?
4: Man, I, I just want to sit there and you know say I had a great time this past weekend. You know, work out all the kinks, I think, pretty much for uh, our next show with PPW. And speaking of PP, I've got to say, Miss PP Poo Poo herself, Erica Lee was there. And had a great conversation with her.
3: So what? What was that like? What was that like? What did you guys? Uh, did you guys talk about?
4: Well, I'm gonna have to say we we talked we talked a little a little about your boy Darius. I mean, for you, it's Mister Carter.
3: Why you gotta um, do that? Why hey, you gotta do that?
4: Hey, don't worry. Well, we were talking about a couple other guests we had on here, you know, and and she thanked um, me for. Reaching out to Paula and Anthony, and you know, for her getting an opportunity there, and it's a well deserved one because that's what we're here for.
3: If we can do anything that helps people mo- move their career to the next level or help them get some more exposure to other promotions where they can have more matches with other people, um, that's what it's kind of all about. It's all about that internet networking right there. So, that's what makes what we do so much fun. If we can say, Oh, hey, such and such wants to get a hold of AAW, we can go ahead and we can go ahead and let them know, hey, this person would love to work with you or PPW. So a lot of fun. Great to see the young up-and-coming stars succeed.
4: And they there on Future Stars Now, that's what you're going to be seeing each and every week.
3: Uh, this has been something that, you know, Rit, you originally were the uh, the person who created the concept of Future Stars Now, and I think it's been wildly successful because you got you you got so many different people from so many different promotions that are coming together telling their story how did they get into wrestling and we can follow this journey all the way through and it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun you can talk to people that have been in the business for 20 30 40 years that's fine absolutely that's fine but I think it's really interesting to hear the the grassroots stories, um, like Storm Grayson, and, and, and find out what it took for him to finally get recognized and whatnot. Those it, are the stories that we're going to be hitting on.
4: Exactly, and you want to hear about a great story this Sunday in a bonus edition of FSN. We've got this kid is man encore. Yes, this, this man here is amazing he hasn't had no more than a handful of matches probably uh he's been trained by amazing red so he's one of mikey's grandkids yes this man is just oozing charisma and he was so over the top ready for the uh the interview and the, and the time to be on like if you guys want to sit there and have a quick little glimpse of what Encore is about, I'm going to sit there and uh, show you right here. Enjoy.
9: After an impressive, perhaps one of the most impressive PPW debuts of all time, Encore has been given the opportunity of his career as he was entered into the PPW Heavyweight Championship Tournament. There was an empty spot and... Encore impressed the up, upper brass at the PBW headquarters so much they granted him a spot in this tournament to see what he could do. they are gonna reset it there and answer the bell. Two, three, oh, one. Oh, upset. That's the upset! Encore advances to the next round of the PBW Heavyweight Title Tournament. Bobo, well, well, what an upset
1: we have seen here tonight, Brad i not happy about that. It was a three-count. You were down. He came back. He was starting the match. The song called
4: Yann D. That is man. Encore. Wow. Like, his entrance, you just spelt the electricity. Mm-hmm. At, at the end. Of, now, this show has has stars at it. You know? My son met Mojo, you know, Oppa Jr., uh, Dark Order number five and ten. Uh, you know, I asked him at the end of the night, who was your favorite? You know, he said, this man right here, Encore. And I'm like, man, you know, I when I had a conversation with Encore, and, and we're gonna talk about this on, on Sunday, I flat out told him our concept for future stars now. And we wanted to interview him. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to be around much longer on the Indies. So we want to get on that, get on that, you know, bottom level. And we want to rise it all the way up to the top floor because this man's the truth.
3: No, I agree with you. 100% could not have said it better. Um, so many rising stars, uh, not only in PPW, but, but all over in the promotions, uh, in the independent scene. And that's why it's so important to go ahead and go to your local shows, support your local wrestlers, buy their merchandise, whether it's a koozie or whether it's a shirt or whether it's an autographed baseball card, support these guys, support these gals. At the end of the day, they're busting their ass. They have a dream in mind, and if there's anything that you can do to help them, uh, progress that dream then i think that we owe it to ourselves to do it because people have motivated and pushed us to get better so you always need to remember to pay it forward exactly all right with that being said let me bring on our panel uh coming into us from the country from the north they call him the ass man but we just call him the butt what's going on buddy looking show looking fresh it was time Oh my God, you look amazing, dude. Like that haircut is, wow. And the beard looks awesome. Dude, Mm -hmm. you look, that's awesome. Good for you, dude.
7: See how the way feels about me going out now without her.
3: Uh, (laughs) You are, you are, uh, is it, is it, can I still say on fleek? Can I still say that? Anton can hear me in the, in the back. Can I still say fleek? Yes. No. Eh, whatever. Yeah. I would say dope, but that's definitely, no. Nope. okay, all right, some people still say dope. You look good though, buddy, you Thank really you, do. I appreciate it. Let's go ahead and let's bring on the aforementioned anarchist, he is also just, uh, he's up with the times, he knows what's going on. Anton, what's going on, buddy?
9: I'm finally home for the first time in two weeks.
3: I was going to say, you're back in your, your normal quarters, how you been?
9: I'm pretty good, so how's that for mom yesterday, because she got free tickets to go see James Taylor and uh, Jackson Brown. So, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's like, Will you house it one more day? Sure. And but you look awesome. I'm sorry about your bullshit this week.
7: Shit happens. People are
9: dumb. I
3: mean,
4: yeah, but damn, dude. Fucking damn.
3: I know. My goodness. It, I, 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 that's all I'll say. It, I'll leave it hey, at bud, that.
4: But I do have a question though. What's up? I'm putting a stove in my basement. <laughs> oh my god. Oh stop. It, this is not yes. gonna go well. <laughs> You is want there me way
7: to drive to Pennsylvania is, to help? Is you? there any
4: way you could possibly help me? I do have actual man tools, though.
7: You don't keep them in a shopping bag, like <laughs> that jackass. A shopping bag. I'm not. Joking, a grocery bag with like five tools in it. Uh, it, was, it was bad. I, I That's was sad. I was That's slightly cool. frustrated. That by the time I left.
4: Hey, before the end of the show, let's play name that tool in the bag. If you can name all five tools that were in that bag, you get a prize.
3: Fair <laughs> enough. Let's do it. Moving on, we're gonna talk to uh, we're gonna talk to the next cool guy. He looks like he's well. He is in a band. He's in multiple bands, but he plays the music of our heart. This is Renegade Lorenzo Lamos. What is going on, buddy? It's good to see you.
6: It's good to be seen. Lot uh, going on actually. Listen big news
3: Your second cool.
7: nut dropped?
6: Yes. That was the other that was That's the other good. thing. I was I was saving that for later. But uh but uh, cats out of the bag or the the bags out of the bag I don't know what's happening.
4: The the balls were um, out of the bag.
6: Yeah, the balls are out of the bag. No, uh so we had uh we have some new developments. So uh while the band last week there was a blurb Said and and I like to think of every conversation as an op- as a chance for an opportunity, of an idea. So last week there was a, a mention of porn shorts, right? We remember that. Yeah. So I said, hey, the band thing's kind of going. It's going, but it's going slowly. And I thought, you know what? Here's an opportunity for me to have a little business venture on the side. So. I decided to get into doing my own adult films,
3: and we're we're just we're we're captivated yeah. at this point. Okay, I mean. okay, I will I will continue.
7: I
6: will continue. So you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I do. So <laughs> so uh, it, it's going to be an homage to the stars, right? My I, I, I'm thinking of a three picture. Uh, set up to start, and I'm thinking of starring as Robin Williams. <clears throat> and the first picture is going to be <laughs> Wet Dreams May Come. Okay. All right. The second one's going to be Mrs. Crotchfire.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh my god! Oh god! Okay. And the and the third one is going to be Hooked. And now let your imaginations run wild with (laughs) that one. Okay.
7: Well this shit shows up all of Oh
6: (laughs) Oh, my god. So you know we're we're gonna see where this goes while the band thing builds up
9: here. Oh my god. (laughs)
6: Wow
3: You made me
9: fucking cry over here. (laughs) Good job.
6: Thank you.
3: That is Wow! Oh. Don't know what to say, but you know what? Oh my God. Hey,
6: hey, just wish me luck.
3: You're a motivated person. Thank you. Let's go ahead and let's bring on uh, yeah. another man from Canada. Re- Renegade's new uh, co-star, Craven Moorhead. Craven <laughs> Moorhead. There he is, man. This is perfect. Do you realize you're going to be part of a three-picture deal?
8: Uh, I do now. Yeah. Yeah. How how you feel about that, buddy? feel pretty good considering my name, so, yeah.
3: <laughs> Let's go ahead and let's bring on our resident professional wrestler. This is Moondog Murray. What's going on, buddy?
10: Causing drama, apparently, in the wrestling world. Oh, no. Uh... Causing drama? <laughs> apparently. Uh, that and um, the universe was kind to me because uh, me giving you those bucks, those young buck figures, I got fucking... Five new A.W. figures for my fucking Walmart. Nice. So. Was
3: that from Boog? Did Boog tip you
10: off or something? Or Nope. Belvedere Walmart, which is, which if you don't know what Belvedere is, it's Rockford. If you don't know what Rockford is, it's Chicago. Uh, <laughs> that Walmart is a blessing. Is it Cook so, County?
4: Was there any more there?
10: <laughs> yeah, there was SCU. But I, I already owned them, them, so like I left them. So wait a minute, a moon you
3: like the lucies, right? Yeah. You like to let them breathe. So <laughs> yes. the rit, the rit doesn't like the lucies. The rit actually handles them like they're encyclopedias that were made in 1845.
10: Oh yeah, you would hate you you should you should have saw the amount of boxes torn open and made into a pile. I don't have room for box shit. I only have a couple. I got Mikey's there, I got a Mr. Kennedy and a Rob Gronkowski, but that's it. Like everything else is open.
3: Wow. Interesting. 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 But I'm glad to see everyone is doing well. Everyone is doing well. Let's go ahead and let's talk about some stuff. So a lot of things have happened in the last seven days since we last uh, discussed some things. I have some topics that I think will be very interesting for our listeners to listen to. Uh, Let's go right into the first one here. So backstage news on Kenny Omega retaining the championship at Triple Mania. As many of you have uh, been aware of by now, Triple Mania happened this last past Saturday, and it was a big uh, match with he and Andrade. And a lot of people thought that Andrade was going to go over in that match. However, not exactly. Um, it seems like AEW is all for Kenny to go ahead and turn over the title. Um, but AAA had some hesitation on that. And Tony Khan actually has control over all of Kenny's finishes, I guess, throughout all of his promotions he works with. And it was agreed upon that he keep the title. I'm going to first throw it to the Ritzster. Ritz, Kenny keeping the title, not putting it on Andrade at Triple Mania. That's got a sting for all the fans that were down there at Triple Mania who support Andrade.
4: Well, from what I'm hearing on backstage rumors uh, and Induendu, uh, Tony Khan does not have all the. Uh, all the say.
3: And we just lost the Ritzter cuz he contradicted what I said. I appreciate that, you no dirty son of a bitch. Hold on, we're going to throw him back in here.
4: There
3: he is. All right, let's go
4: back. From what I'm hearing, it is you Mike Freeland has all the final say <laughs> oh, 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 of Kenny that, Omega. That is a correct answer, sir.
3: So what's your uh, thoughts though? I mean, from a booking standpoint, I mean Andrade, it's his You know, home promotion, and it's the biggest event of the year.
4: It it is, but Tony's got to look out for himself and his company first. You just had Kenny lose the uh, Impact title to uh, Christian, which I texted you and told you it was happening. You did. You never. You ignored me and didn't want to talk to me for days.
3: (laughs) I was devastated.
4: But uh, to to have your champion lose back-to-back titles, you know, so soon, it it would would kind of be detrimental to him and his promotion because you can't have the man that's, you know, the belt collector, the man that is the face of your company go on a losing streak because guess what? Your big pay-per-view is coming up next, coming up real soon. So for you to sit there and have him lose two in a row, man, they're, they're, they might sit there and think it's it, it's going to be a shoot and it, no point of buying the pay-per-view. You know what I mean?
3: Well, very good point. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's go through it to the butt. But what's your take on this here right now? So Kenny goes over, he wins. I think we kind of figured out in some ways that that wasn't, wasn't completely unexpected because you're not going to have him drop belt match. And then a couple days later, or the day later, a belt, another belt. Do you think it was a good move to keep it on him just so you don't diminish the capacity of your champion heading into a big match at all out?
7: Absolutely, you have to. If he loses two belts in a row, and then you're going in all out, it, he doesn't have the prestige. We'll say, you know, he's coming on two, two match losing streak, losing belts. You know, as it appears, hand over fist. Uh, they, there's no way they could let him lose. Not right now. That would have been a terrible mistake.
3: I'm with you on that one. Uh, Let's throw it over to Anton. Anton, what is your take on this? I mean, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Obviously, you know, it seems like, in my opinion, uh, Impact Wrestling and AAA have basically bowed down to... AEW and and you know I mean Deanna Peraza now has the Women's Championship from AAA so it's <laughs> it's like no one in AAA owns their own championship right now how do you feel about something like that
9: it's weird that part's weird because you know it, it just is at least from my perspective and point of view who you know most people don't let their belts go other places for long periods of time like that or where none of their belts are by someone who is originally in their promotion for long periods of time so that's all super weird to me um, Can you blame Tony if he is protecting him? Because it's, he is his champion, someone he's been using this entire time, building his promotion around and etc. cetera. Can't knock that. Can't knock that whatsoever. As for the impact thing and for the NWA for that matter. Um, True. Bigger platform, lower platform. You know, Bischoff talked about that on his show this week, too. They were comparing ECW's TNN ratings in 99 to WWE's and WCW's. And they were like a third. They were drawing like almost a million people and then over a million people for sure. But it was like a third and then a fifth of the total marketplace. It was like 30%. And so he said, he's like, so it's Impact. They, right. they have a market, but it's super niche and small compared to the other two promotions going on. And I was like, damn. I was like, Okay, fuck it. That makes sense. That makes total fucking sense. So, and I was like modern you know
4: makes sense so, no. okay
9: but yeah no, no two back to back that would have been fucked up but i did love that christian matchup fucking love the shit out of that i gotta love all of that before work on friday and i best team match match the team seriously oh. slow down just that extra step that terry funk comment just when you think you're going slow enough slow down some more i like it, it. fucking worked
3: Renegade, let me throw it to you. Um, Obviously, Triple Mania is a big deal. Um, You know, here in the States, I don't know if a whole lot of wrestling fans are super familiar with it. However, there's a lot of international wrestling fans who really are big fans of Triple Mania. Sometimes it's multiple days. Sometimes it's just one night. Would you also be in the same camp to say, eh, that would have been bad. You're going to diminish the power of Kenny Omega if he loses the belt on Friday night, loses a belt on Saturday night, Or do you think we got to give back to some of these promotions that have given us their belts?
6: Well, I I agree that it would have been bad to have him lose, uh, the both belts twice in a row there. Uh, I think obviously the way you build other stars is to have a big star be strong. Uh, so he can't look too weak or it diminishes the match uh, that's coming up. Um, ultimately, when I read that article, I think there's a bigger, almost a bigger takeaway and maybe it's a future thing. I don't think it's it's brewing at the moment. But I almost see issues in the future between these companies and just the, the deciding of where these belts go, who has them, how long, when such and such a person loses or, you know, drops a belt back, you know, especially when AEW is starting to collect. A lot of these other companies titles i i don't know if anyone else sees this as a could be a future problem
3: No, that's a very very good point uh let's go over to craven uh is there potentially some problems that could arise i mean we, we know that back in the days the territories there was um you know the national wrestling alliance but the different territories and they had one unified world champion but that didn't seem to have too many problems back then. But at least we didn't have social media, so we don't know. Do you think this could start to wear on each other if one promotion is more heavy on collecting the belts than the other?
8: Yeah, the, the thing is that the NWA was a, it was a governing body of a bunch of different territories. But the territory days are well behind us. So to draw the comparison, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but it's it's not the same thing. So AEW is the number two company right now. If um, they have other promotions that are trying to showcase their talent under their umbrella, um, they have to go in with an agreement. So, uh, I mean, who, who knows if it's 100% true about what Tony Khan did or didn't do or whatever. But, I mean, um, I, I kind of go with the thought that if, if Kenny Omega had have lost the title then it could have led to an eventual loss of the AEW world title. And then it would have uh, made a really big development in his character, like very overconfident and everything. And then he just lost everything. Could have started up a new side to his character, but I guess they're not planning on that. So, uh, I don't know. Who's he even going against it uh, all out? I have no idea.
3: It's supposed to be Christian Cage again. It's supposed to be Christian ah. for the impact and then again Christian. But from what we understand, that may just be a swerve until yeah. um, things start to come together with some people coming in to hype it up even more. Yeah, so. you never know
8: what's going to happen. You never know. I mean, like it's just that the main thing is that you, you don't want to make it so that you're looked at as we're the dominant company. And everybody underneath us is going to be playing Subscriber. by our rules. Yeah, you have to. You have to have some give and take there. So, you know, I agree. Yeah,
3: uh, Moon Dog. Let me throw it over to you. This one here, the belt collector. Which belts to drop? Which belts to keep? What's your thought on the retaining um, with the belt against Andrade? And did you get a chance to catch that match?
10: I didn't, but uh, I do. I, I saw Ric Flair's interference and everything. Um, I I haven't followed Triple in a while so I don't know if it's, it's it probably is cuz in lucha libre championships aren't the number one priority. Championships are usually even number 3 cuz the the things that are most important are masks and hair. Like the main event wasn't the title match. That was the semi main event. The main event was Psycho Clown putting his mask up on the line against Reyes Scorpion's hair. It's just the lucha libre tradition. A title you should look at CMLL's um championships, they've got like 25 titles and no one gives a fuck about the titles. I just care about masks and hair and okay, they're fighting. Well, he just so happens to have a title. So I guess we'll throw that out the line. Um, that's our sort of deal. But so AAA is a little more prestigious with the titles, but then again, this is also the same company who put a tag title on a guy who had cancer and who died. So rest in peace, Grand Apache, but, um, that's, uh, AAA, uh, you know, it happens. Um, It's not, it's not too, it's also not all that um, weird either for uh, a guy outside of AAA to be the world champion. Like Jeff Jarrett was champion back in 2017. Uh, John Morrison had it and he had that with like two other titles uh, in AAA. So it's just for drama. And once finally, um, whoever beats Kenny will probably be a uh, a star of AAA, like one of their top guys and it'll be a big moment because it that's just how AAA does things uh whether it, it for all we know though it, could, it might not be till tri- fuck could be another year sometimes they've done that before anyway it could be six months uh, right. it, that triple uh i guess storytelling is, is like that so that's just how um they treat their title their titles really it's important, but it's also when it comes to Psycho Clown's mask and his family history and heritage and shit, that's like Pills not in even a priority, you know?
3: Yeah. Let's go ahead and let's start back to the butt. Uh, another thing I thought was really interesting. So uh, Ruby Riot, who is now going by uh, Ruby Soho. There's a lot of promotions that are interested in signing her right now. She's got a great look. Um, She is very talented in the ring. Well, the current rumor right now is that she is going to be competing in AEW's Casino Battle Royale, uh, a women's version of that. What's your thoughts of bringing her in there? Do you feel like, once again, the the women's division definitely needs an injection of some more people? What do you think she brings to the table if this actually happens?
7: The women's division definitely needs the help. I mean, she, she'll be top three in the AEW women's division, in my opinion, anyhow. Uh, definitely won't hurt. Uh, she just can't be pushed to the moon. And this discussion we've had, I think, every week for a couple months now, turn it into WWE light, WWE rejects. It can't do that i think she will definitely help but she can't be pushed to the moon let's
3: go ahead and start with to anton so when it comes to people that are coming over and it's it's interesting because it's that delicate balance between not wanting to look like oh these people got rid of this person oh i'm going to scoop them up because they were seen on this tv's program but yet displaying them in a different way. I think if you're able to display it in a different way, I think then you definitely have an an opportunity to really accent the wrestler. Do you think someone like her, who's very unique has a very unique look, um, is definitely over with the audience. Do you think she could work in AEW?
9: I do for a multitude of reasons, partially the difference in look, appearance, et cetera. She reminds me of Lita in so many ways for like a lack of a better comparison or term. She reminds me of Lita, and I like that. I think she could do lots of cool shit. Also, do you know where the Ruby Soho thing comes from?
3: I do. Uh, is she from Soho, New York? I
9: know. Yeah, uh, yes. I think. Uh, no, she's fucking from, I don't think so. Uh, but the band Rancid, they have a song called Ruby Soho, which yep. is about oh. New York. And Lars Fredrickson, one of their guitar players, told her he did an interview with her. He loves punk. He's friends with CM Punk. He did an interview with her, asked her what she was going to call herself now. She said she didn't know. He mentioned the Ruby Soho thing. He goes, fuck it. If you wanted to call yourself Ruby Soho, we could work out a thing about the rights to the song. I'd let you use it. So.
3: Wow.
6: Yeah.
9: So punk rock. Punk rock, motherfucker. Love it. So um, that's cool as shit. I think she could help immensely. But I agree with Butt. Can't be the land of the reject. Can't be island of misfit toys. Balance. Continue to build your homegrown shit. Continue to just put fucking people on. Use the little bit of notoriety from these people and shit for eyeballs and attention. But do shit.
3: Sounds like the word a la carte would probably be best with that. Yep. Let's go ahead and let's we'll throw it over to Renegade. Uh, Renegade, your take on this, obviously, a successful WWE star um, for whatever reason, and we'll we'll leave it at whatever reason. I think we all know the reason. Um, things just didn't work out. Sometimes it's, it's almost a blessing in disguise for stars to be able to get a chance to get a, a, a restart somewhere else, to hit the reset button. What's your thoughts on Ruby Soho and what's your thoughts on her being in potentially AEW? Well,
6: it's good for AEW. Um, like Bud said, she, she'll, she'll jump, I think, towards the top of the of their lineup. Um, I, I'm not as, I'm not super familiar with her work, I, but I, I'll echo what everyone else said and she's got a unique look. And I think that bodes well for her. Um, so I, you know, I think it's great for, for both parties uh, all around.
3: I agree. Let's go ahead to Craven. Um, Ruby Soho. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We see so many people jump from promotion to promotion, but typically it's the guys, um, which is not a big surprise. But when we do see a woman jump from one promotion to another, or for whatever reason, leaves a promotion to another, it, it comes with a little bit of trepidation. But when it comes to Ruby, I think she is unique enough. And I think that's the big word for her that she could make a difference. What's your take?
8: Yeah, definitely. Uh, she's a seasoned vet. And I first got introduced to her in NXT. Uh, I, I'd heard a little bit about her. And uh, she had a former name. I'm not too familiar with it right now. It's not coming to me. But anyways, uh, she was a one of the independents came in NXT and really showed her worth. Um, she never scratched the uh, women's title picture, but... She uh, showed she was good. Went up to the main roster, did good there. I mean, you know, good enough, I guess. Uh, they kind of misused her, I think. Uh, she has a lot of talent. She would be great to uh, debut in that uh, battle royal. And I think it's uh, the the fact that the men are always looked at as the ones that are going to be coming into AEW. Um, and it, it really, they really need a lot more women right now. It, it's 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 kind of slim pickings, not to say that like, you know, some of them aren't trying, but it's just, you know, uh, they really need someone with a bit veteran status. Her Mercedes Martinez, when she comes available, uh, they need to insert them in there and uh, try to help guide that division so everybody can get better.
3: I like it. I like it a lot. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Moondog. Um, Your take on Ruby Soho as far as, you know, what, what she brings to AEW or, or really any promotion for that matter. But do you think she would be a good fit with the the lineup they have right now in the women's division? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Let me, uh, the controls here. You there? Yeah. perfect.
10: Uh, I, I'm still of, of the opinion that AEW does actually have a good women's, uh, roster. They just, they're just not showcased as much as they should be. Um, so I think someone like Ruby, if they would hire more women, uh, could definitely help legitimize it while also getting the ones they do have working and wrestling and getting better and such. So it's a big positive change if she, if she signs or if it's confirmed. I'm not sure if it is or not.
3: I think right now it's just speculated. But no. I think if it's, if it's something that comes to fruition, I think it could be a good thing. I think, you know, anytime you're able to get somebody who could enhance your roster, I think there's nothing but upside to that. Would you agree? Of course. Let's go ahead and let's throw it over the butt. Uh, Here's an interesting story that came out, and this happened a lot in the 1990s, especially with WCW. But Charlotte Flair was supposed to be on a show, a super show, that was going to be happening in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was on the poster And she was supposed to be in a triple threat match, and she wasn't there. Uh, We later found out that she obviously was in Mexico with her father, and Andrade, and they um, were there for Triple Mania. What's your take on this? Do you feel like, in your opinion, that was a good choice to make? Uh, We don't know the, the details behind it. Maybe she asked for the day off, but... Was it right for her not to be there? Or was it right for WWE to continue to advertise her when they must have known she wasn't going to be there?
7: It happens too often. It's card subject to change, whether it's maybe a little bit of false advertising. Who knows? We don't know when she decided to ask for the day off. Maybe it was a last-minute thing. You know, with Andrade got released not long ago. Rip got released not long ago. You don't know if there could be some backstage politicking, drama, nonsense, bullshit going on. Who knows? There, she definitely would have had permission to go. I doubt she would just no wouldn't have no shown. Right. That that just that'd be a terrible idea. If they knew a month ago that she wasn't going to be there and they kept advertising it, that's a horseshit move. Pretty gutless. Mm -hmm. If this is something that came about three or four days ago. Then it's one of those, hey, she was gonna be there, something came up at the last minute. That's not so bad. Without having an accurate idea of when they changed it. Right. It's it's hard to have a, a hardline opinion on it. That's what it boils down to there. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of backstage something going on though, to be honest with you.
3: No, I agree with you completely. Anton, um, you know, we clearly know that the relationships between Andrade, Ric Flair, Charlotte, this, that, and whatever. Uh, Charlotte's under contract. Anytime someone's under contract, free agency can come up. Do you think in sometimes WWE may have to acquiesce to situations they might not necessarily want to, but to keep people happy, they may have to do certain things that might make the rest of the roster unhappy?
9: I'm sure. It is. I'm sure there are totally those situations. As a matter of fact, we know there are s- those situations. Look at so much shit with Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. If you have the right stroke with the fucking old man, you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. It is what it is. You know, it, the bait and switch thing, not cool with, but card subject to change. But if you knew she wasn't going to be there, quit running the fucking ads. That's shitty. Like,
3: I agree. Good point. Very good point. <laughs> uh what's your thoughts on this renegade i mean do you think that it, it, let's let's just play hypothetical here let's say they knew she was not going to be there and let's say there was a period of time and they kept running ads saying that she was going to be there i mean obviously card subject change is always to get at a get out of free jail card that wrestling seems to use um but it's a super show it's in charlotte you're kind of one of the main people that's that's advertised for it you think you should have been there
6: I think so, uh, unless you know, there was something else going on. Uh, but this also comes off the heels of uh, Miro's picture still being on the side of a bus recently, uh, though he's no longer with the company. It also Good point. Comes off, off the heels of uh, people's contracts running out that they weren't aware of, people's non-compete clauses shorter than what they expected. Uh, so there's a lot going on that doesn't make a lot of sense. And either someone dropped the ball on it and it wasn't what they weren't paying attention to knowing she wasn't going to be there and then never getting around to changing the card or changing the advertising uh, does make a little bit of sense based on some of the things that have recently happened. Uh, but if they knew yeah, either she should have been there or they should have pulled the ads.
3: Agreed. Let's go over to Craven. Um, once again, as we talked about before, I mean, this is not uncommon. WCW specifically did this a lot of times with house shows and for super shows or whatever you want to say. But this day and age, especially when you're trying to get fans back and get people excited, uh, is this really the best idea to give into a situation if that is the case?
8: Yeah, like, okay, and you know I don't like to speculate on stuff. Like, I like to kind of get the know the straight facts. goods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's assume that uh, Charlotte knew that she was performing pretty fucking stupid because you can go to Mexico anytime you want uh, who knows what the circumstances were if she did go and then that's the way it is then okay like it's already done but you know like the problem with that is it's in Charlotte North Carolina uh, her character is named after the city right so I mean like you know that's that's a uh, that's a it doesn't make any sense why she wouldn't be there. Uh, if she's advertised and she already gave plenty of notice and WWE didn't do something about that, that wouldn't sound like something they would do. They try to advertise what they have uh, and try not to you know, go back on it, at least with the live events. So I can't imagine why this would have ended up being the way it did. But uh, it, it's very important that if you're advertising somebody, yeah, it's like my uh, fellow Canucks said card subject to change. It's true, but you need to try to, especially these days with WWE being the way they are, they need to make sure they're keeping every fan they can because it's, it's starting to go downhill for them.
3: I agree with that. Let's go ahead and throw it over to our resident wrestler Moondog. Um, You've seen this before. You've seen cards changing and people not appearing and whatnot. And that's frustrating for everybody involved. Um, what's your take on this? Not only is she not on the show, uh, that she's advertised, she's going to have a triple threat match, but not only that, but her picture is on social media with her father and Conan and whatnot. It's like, should she have kind of stayed away from doing that if she
10: was going to go? I think this is a whole big, uh, deal about nothing, (laughs) to be honest. Um, local advertisers will still... It could be up to the local advertisers when it comes to that. If they're tweeting out pictures saying this this Wednesday night, for example, see this three-way, then that's that's on that is on WWE. But like local promoters, I could see still advertising people for no reason. Um, you know, it's like yeah, you could go to Mexico any time, but that's a big match. You know, you know that's a big match that I don't I that. I could totally see her wanting to go to that and to be there with her dad and such that I don't I I don't see a problem with any of this, honestly, because what's a house show? It's if it's TV, fine, but it's a house show. I I hate to be like that, but no, I mean, it's a a good perspective to look
3: at. (laughs) It's a a valid point. Um, Let me go ahead and throw it over to the butt here. So our next topic kind of dovetails nicely into that. Notice how I use a a wood reference. Uh, Not bad. Could Charlotte ultimately with Andrade situation, we don't know where her dad's going to go, but we can obviously make some speculations here. Do we think that at the end of the day, she could not saying she would, but leave WWE if, if all of a sudden Andrade was finding great success when her contract is up and money really wasn't a factor and she wanted to go to new uncharted waters. Could she?
7: Yeah. Will she? Nope. Not happening.
3: Now what makes you say no to that?
7: I just see her being a legacy type of lady. Like she wants to be there. She wants the attention. She is the female Ric Flair. She's gonna this be is there. True. She's getting paid huge money, I have no doubt. I don't know what her contract is, but she's getting paid. Who is clicking on the goddamn <laughs> keyboard? Oh my
9: God. Please stop. Oh my-
3: Anton? No? <laughs> Anton's hands are up. Uh, I'm
9: lighting a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: All right. Right.
7: No, but I, it's possible. It is possible. She could leave. Is it happening? I don't see it. I you think don't. she'll stay in WWE until <laughs> she just doesn't want to wrestle anymore.
3: Let's go ahead and throw it to Anton. Uh, money talks, everything else walks. So at the end of the day, no matter how great uh, AEW may be, no matter how happy Andrade is, if those checks keep getting bigger and bigger, eh, you can't leave the money wagon when it's really rolling.
9: It's also a personal sense of what you feel you're worth and et cetera. You know, like Moxley said, I, you can give me a Brock Lesnar contract. What's that going to do for me? Right. You know, I don't need all the money in the world. She, I also don't does, you know, I don't feel she needs all the money in the world, but she is the female Ric Flair. She's going to make money. That's a given, especially with that company. But I think a big part of this is, and she said it multiple times, a lot of the reason why she does this is for Reed. You know, she's living out Reed's dream, right. dream at this point, not her own, which it's become her dream, you know, you know, 50, 50 one, you know, shit in one hand, whatever in the other, but it wasn't originally her dream. So her doing all of this is for an entirely different purpose. So I think she's probably going to stay there because that's probably what he would do. However, if he was alive and Rick was alive, this would definitely be a conversation, especially considering in so many ways, AEW is the spiritual successor to WCW. Yeah, it is in so many ways. It is. I like it.
3: Good point. Renegade. Um, you know, nowadays we see so many people jumping. I mean, we see more people getting cut nowadays for reasons that we still don't even quite understand under the label of budget cuts um, when I think we all believe that's a bunch of hooey. But do you think she is a legacy person? That was a great point that was brought up. Do you think that she's somebody who is going to stay loyal to a company uh, because she's going to make a a ton of money? Or do you think she's a type of person who Craves and desires new competition, new rivalries, new people to keep her
6: fresh. I think both could be true. Um, I I think if if it is something she's carrying on her brother's name, maybe she wants to take that into into her own world and kind of get away from the Ric Flair shadow and, and be her own star, be her own person and make her own name. And in that way, carry her brother's name uh, in a direction outside of that. But uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going into this uh, and so many directions this could go. You know, you have the family connection, her fiance and another uh, company. So you have maybe some pressure there to leave. You have what you're building in your current place. And I'm, and I'm sure they want her, but then there's the, do they value her the way she values herself? Does she see a future there or does she see a future somewhere else? I mean, there's so many, there's so many different factors that play into this. It's, it's hard to determine what may come out of it.
3: I like it. Very good. We're going to throw it to Craven. Um, you're one of those people that I like that kind of keeps an open mind to all things. Uh, you know, keeping creativity because you also consider yourself an artist as well. And it's not all about money. It is about happiness. Um, so what is your take on this? Mm-hmm. Do you think she is a, a career WWE person to, to cement her legacy? Or do you think at the end of the day, 2021 and beyond is a brand new game in wrestling. And it's not necessarily what the old guard used to be.
8: It is a new game. And um, it's like, it as I mentioned before, uh, she, she, got into wrestling to honor her brother who died and um, because that was his dream. And she has grown to be uh, arguably the top women's wrestler in the entire world. And I don't think many can argue with that. Uh, she's got the pedigree. She's got it in her blood. And she, <sighs> the the problem with her in WWE is that she doesn't have enough uh, opponents that are of her stature, you can only go against Rhea Ripley so many times, right? So what's the alternative? Okay, well, my fiance is in AEW, and that'd be a new uh, a new thing to conquer. So I'll go do that. I've won God knows how many titles in WWE. I'll go there. She could go there, make herself a good living there. Uh, I don't know if it'd be as good as in WWE, but you know, Tony Khan likes to dish out the money for these guys, so. Um, She could do that and then, you know, kind of come back, circle back around to WWE, finish out her career. That'd be great. But the question is, is her heart in it as much as we think it is? Because, like I said, it's for her brother. And to think that this is her number one priority in her entire life, probably not. But she's a natural at it. She's incredible. But uh, I think she's done as much as she can right now in WWE I almost would welcome if she went to AEW. I don't think it'd be the worst idea in the world.
9: Can I make a point on that?
8: You no. Okay. No.
9: <laughs> <laughs> it's up to the man run of the show. But the uh, you know she's going to continue to be booked as the female Ric Flair in WWE. No matter that's what we are going to get. No more, no less. They're going to make her 16, 17 seventeen-time world women's champion. We know this. Like literally, it's the stick. It works better for her than either one of her brothers because she is a woman and i hate to say that but david was david from what i saw of reed before he died he was actually good he had potential but she's the best out of fucking all of them like just naturally fucking there and on point so i would love you know she would still be the female rick flair in aew but i think she would you know they would let her figure out how to be more of herself versus stick
3: yeah I like it. That's a good. That's a good retort right there, Moon Dog. Um, obviously, things are not what they used to be, and we talked about this before. People staying in one company their entire career. Now, do you think that Charlotte's one of those people who's a WWE four lifer, or do you think maybe not necessarily not so much?
10: That is, if they don't fire, you know. Do you think
3: she'll continue to re up?
10: Hopefully, maybe I, I would think so. I, I didn't mean to say hopefully. Because, um, what is it, they, they're not afraid to fire people. Like, they fired Bray Wyatt, they fired Braun Strowman. It doesn't matter who you are, they'll fire you. Right. Uh, for budget cuts. So, that would be the only reason I'd ever see Charlotte leaving. Other than that, though, I would think she'd stay. Because I don't really see a reason for her to leave other than to just, you know, I just to try new things. But, like everyone else said, Does she want to do that? It's totally up to her. We don't know. Obviously, we're all just speculating. We don't know her personally.
3: Very good. I like that. Uh, Moving on here, something that I thought was interesting. um, Samoa Joe and his role with NXT and going forward. Uh, But we all know that Samoa Joe got released and he got cut from WWE. But it was only for a few hours, Joe said. Once he was released from his WWE main roster contract, Triple H went ahead and brought him back into NXT. Now, the reason why he hadn't had a match, and I believe it was like a year and a half, was because of concussions. And he finally was able to get medically cleared, and therefore, that's why he came back to NXT. Here's my question. Your Samoa Joe, obviously, we did talk about, he isn't the Samoa Joe 2005 in the X-Division wrestling Jerry Lynn. We know that. However, do you think any part of him decided that what else could be out there? Or do you think, I'm going to stay with what I know, what I'm comfortable with until it's time to go. I'm going to collect a steady paycheck here in NXT.
7: I'd say he probably went with the, I'm going to collect a steady paycheck in NXT. Uh, They no doubt look after him. What else would they assign him as soon as Vince released him? Uh, So I think that's what it was. He's seen as a steady paycheck. He's respected there. He still has a lot to show and and give. I think that was his take on it as opposed to leaving and having to start over from scratch somewhere else. He'd still be the name, but he just, he can't wrestle night in and night out anymore, I don't think. So it was just, it was an easier road. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It was just, it was easier for him to go back there. He gets put right back in. He knows the organization. He's probably going to get paid well. And it's a win for him towards the tail end of his career.
3: Let's go ahead and let's throw it over to Anton. Um, It was, you know, speculated that he had so many options. And I'm sure, honestly, he did. I'm sure Ring of Honor would have thrown something his way. I'm sure Impact would have loved to have gotten somebody like Samoa Joe back. Um, We did find out why he was doing commentary for so long. It was concussion based and i i don't know i thought we got past all this i thought after you had your money and you know you you've had concussion issues you you should just do something non contact related don't hurt the brain anymore but somehow they just keep wanting to come back
9: so it's the terry funk thing it's the mcfoley thing it's the christian thing you know, even the Austin, Daniel Bryan thing, Daniel Bryan, yeah. again, edge, you know, the, who, who actually stays away? No Austin, one. Austin, Austin has in the long run. Michaels has come out of retirement once. And that's only because they threw enough fucking money at him that he was like, fine, fuck it. goddamn it. <laughs> you
3: know, it might fuck. have also been to shut him up too. I mean, Hey, yes, if I do this, yes. don't do it. Don't ask me again.
9: Yes. Like finally, fuck it. I'll do one fucking more. That's it. it done. You know, because fuck, the original O2 one. One more, and we done. <laughs> one more turned into eight years, but that's not here nor there. This is different. But this also, Scott Hall, the starving artist thing. You know, I've been the starving artist. I now want the steady paycheck. Joe's been the starving artist. Give me the steady paycheck. True, good In point. moderation, especially if they're going back to the tapings and etc. Moderation as one-offs, as like the old school thing, the big time thing. Okay, you know penta and vampiro and lucha you know one-offs one thing okay but dude backstage gm commentary i liked his commentary actually he was good it it reminded me of taz with less stick yes so it's the best way i could put it i enjoyed it but yeah protect yourself dude i loved your work but let's move on
3: time to move on Renegade, Uh, Smojo, concussion-free now. That's what put him on the sidelines. He's back, but uh uh-oh, he's in the ring again. Come on. Is this really what's best in his interest? Once again, he can make his own decisions. But I I thought that the commissioner role or authority, whatever it may be, that could work. That could really work um and be a mentor backstage but getting back in the ring you're just putting yourself for a, another potential concussion which as we know uh leads nowhere good
6: right um, you know it's it is interesting you see it a lot in different sports too people uh, jumping back out, out there after injuries and and possibly furthering uh things even more i don't know that it's smart uh, but it is his, his body It's his choice to get back out there and he feels good. And it's also in, in WWE's hands as well, whether they are comfortable with that. Uh, so it works both ways. You know, they can say no, but listen, it, it's, it's been too many times. We're not going to put you back out there and, and further this we will keep you in the role you're in if you're happy with that. Um, but you know, it is a risk, but you know, we, we all make choices.
3: Let me throw it over to Craven here. Here's something that I've wondered for a while now. You know, WWE fought with Daniel Bryan for so long, you know, and he wanted to come back. He said he'd sign any waiver, he'd do anything. Do you think they've kind of gone an about face when it comes to the concussion thing, meaning, well, technically if somebody's cleared and they want to come back, not blood on our hands.
8: Yeah, I think they were – they were getting a little strict about that and it seemed like with uh brian danielson that every doctor cleared him except for the wwe doctor so that's got to be kind of telling so uh with joe i mean i would hope this is his last shot if he has a problem in the next month or two i really hope just for his sake just because I admire him so much that he would just hang it up yeah. uh, as far as in the ring goes. Cause that, that man, like man, he, he's one of the last real like kind of strong style, you know, real kick-ass big wrestlers that's going these days, like from the, like the ring of honor crew, you know, him and Brian Danielson, it's, it's basically them. I can't think of many more. And uh, as, as, as selfishly as as I want to see him in the ring, still, you got to think of how talented he also is on the mic. Like he he's great on the mic. He cuts cuts amazing promos. He'd be great GM. Uh, he'd be great trainer. He'd be great on commentary because he's he's great on that. Like he everything he touches turns to gold. The only problem is he's snake bit. So I'm just hoping, yeah, like take the money. Hopefully he's got a really good contract out of this and. He's uh, making some good money. But, I mean, really, let's just hope, you know, this is his last run because I really don't want to see him get hurt.
3: Well said. Moondog, your take on Samoa Joe, the concussion, he this was all in the plans he was going to come back. Uh, he said he really had no intentions of going, I guess, anywhere else. Triple H makes the phone call a few hours later, and the ball's in motion. Evidently, this was something Joe said was talked about for years uh, of how this transition would eventually come with him. Do you think that this was uh, a good move on his part to end up staying with the company but changing his direction in NXT? In
10: a way, I don't think he ever. I don't think he wanted to leave. I, I think he probably wanted. He probably wants to end his end his career in WWE because was it that, that was that's pretty much every almost every wrestler's goal for the most part. He's an adult. And as a wrestler myself, if he wants to get back in the ring and he got cleared, fuck it, you know? The only reason Dodo's doctors finally cleared Brian was because Brian was going to go somewhere else.
3: Exactly, and, and they were lo- they were worried to lose him.
10: And Joe would have probably done the same thing, so... For them to jump, though this is a different situation, Triple H, I could definitely see Triple H going, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> and yeah. immediately
10: calling him and like, no, you're not fired. You're coming back and you're going to be on NXT. Uh, I could totally see that's a whole different situation in that case. Um, but I am totally for Joe wrestling if he's cleared. And if he gets hurt, oh, it's the, it was the same with Brian once he was cleared. If he gets hurt one more time, then that's probably it. But uh, Brian's been fine. Uh, if anything, I don't recall him getting injured, other than like a slight injury. I don't, rem- I, I can't remember. Uh, my mind is so foggy. Yeah,
3: I don't think it was much of anything.
10: Okay, so the same is going to go for Joe, and I'm, I, I fully endorse it. <laughs> so if he wants to do it, let him do it. If you want to clear him, clear him. If the doctors are saying he'll be fine, so be it. Do it
3: said um uh, we're gonna move on to our next topic you are the leader with this one what is in your hand
7: oh this is a wooden teether i'm working on that was my
10: dog bone at first
3: oh my god i didn't know what that was very nice very nice
9: (laughs) you're doing a good job but still a fucking ridiculous request
3: it is a little odd hey you know what make make that money right
9: they're paying well
3: yeah hey it's fiber in your diet <laughs>
7: it's not my fault. The bone?
3: Uh it's wood. I, it's just, oh my
7: god. Yeah, it's it's wood. Mm. It's be it's a, a, love wood a wood baby
3: it. teething. Oh my god. I think we're in two different categories.
7: That's what
3: they want. That's what they want. They
10: want wood. That's what you want.
3: Uh let me start off the next round with god you, damn but. It, my dog. Christian Cage is the new Impact World Champion. Um, you knew that Impact was going to want their World Championship back. I mean, it just makes sense. Are you surprised that it was Christian um, and not somebody else like maybe a uh, Sammy Callahan or it wasn't a Rich Swan who got a rematch with Kenny, but it was Christian?
7: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I like Christian Cage, obviously, but they they should have went with the, one of their wrestlers. So right. he was actually on their roster, that would have made better sense. Just makes him look stronger. It's our belt on one of our wrestlers on right. our show. Correct. It would make better sense. Now, Christian Cage was with Impact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was Impact at that time when he got traded to Dixie Carter because they both like cats. It makes <laughs> my hair hurt a little bit too. But, <laughs> well, that's what happened. She bought him in the trade because he likes
9: cats and so does she. <laughs> Right?
3: Yeah, that's it. Google it. Hey, no, I have no, not, I'm not
9: right. He's he's right. You're fucking right, I'm right? Just a one-night trade, but yes, it right. it is happened so, and the other side of that deal was Ric Flair. That's right.
7: So <laughs> it, they would have been better off putting it on somebody on their own roster as opposed right. to Christian Cage. But I can't see making a little bit of sense if they if they play it off as as the legend type of thing. Right. It, it can work. It's probably not the smartest booking, note, honestly, unless you bring them over, have them do a couple matches, then drop the belt to Sammy or Rich Swan or something or like Moose, that. Or Moose
3: or really anybody. I mean, there's a lot of guys that could have had an opportunity. It just didn't end up happening. So Christian Cage is, and I guess from a lot of people's perspective, yes, Christian is a WWE guy, but. Very close second. He's an Impact guy, and a lot of people remember him from Impact. Like Kurt Angle was a WWE guy, but he had a hell of a run. And I would even argue a better run in Impact or TNA than he did in WWE. Yeah, That's just my run. take. It was a longer was run, longer. too. It was. Yep. I agree. What? Let's go throw it over to Anton. Christian Cage, what's your thoughts? I mean, he's not... He's kind of like a Switzerland pick, if you know what I mean. You can't go wrong, yeah. but it's its a very safe yeah, pick.
9: No. That's a fucking fantastic way to look at it, Freeland. Holy shit. Um, I, like I said, I loved that match. I fucking loved that match. That was a great way to debut a show. That fucking kill switch onto the chair was beautiful. excellent. That yep. shit looked like... Yeah, that shit looked like it fucking hurt. That was awesome. Loved it. Lo- you know, loved every bit of that. To be honest, so like I said, I think that's the best Kenny match I've ever actually watched. So, you know, besides the ridiculous Japanese shit. So, is what it is. It's Switzerland. It's a good way to meet middle ground. You know, possibly. You know, when Christian drops it in Impact, you know, whoever he drops it to, hopefully gets more eyeballs there. Like I get what they're doing. So, is what it is. He was there. The fucking trade with the cat is ridiculous, but yeah, Bud is entirely right on that. WWE wanted Ric Flair for the Hall of Fame for the Horsemen. Bruce called and was like, can we get a trade? Can we work out a deal? Whatever. They said, not The Rock, not Cena, and Taker wasn't included in that. It was like, not The Rock, not Cena, not Shawn Michaels. It was a handful of fucking people. Dixie wanted Ric Flair because, or not Ric Flair, but Christian because of the fucking cats and shit, and because he was their champion at one point. which is fucking ridiculous, but yeah, he's got history, so meh. Man, nah. it's not happy about it. Not sad about it. it like I don't, you know. It's it just there. It's what it is. I like to see how. Yeah, I want to see how the rest of the story goes. You know. It's he's the Terry Funk. He, he, you know, he's in that fucking Terry Funk role, man. He's yep. there to get people over, and I like it because he's giving fucking back. So I'm not. No matter what he does, I'm not fucking mad. Like that's why I'm like. I don't really have you know. I don't really have an opinion. I'm not you know. Nothing he does is bad. I'm not not upset about it.
3: <laughs> Touche renegade uh christian cage how you feel about christian um and i think this also goes a little bit deeper into how do we feel about these aew rankings um i feel like sometimes the rankings i know that plays into the long-term booking um i I don't know I, i just feel like this was a situation of impact wanted their championship back we needed to find a way to do it He's with us, but yet he's a legacy guy with you guys. It seems to be a good fit. Let's go ahead and do it. We'll put him on loan for you guys for a while and take it from there. What's your take?
6: I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to do that. Uh, I do like Christian, and I'm okay with that win. A lot of that has to do with my my personal views on the AEW roster as a whole. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm I, and I'm cool with that. I like Christian, uh, so you know, good for him. And see
3: where that goes. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Craven. Um, I don't know. This is the one topic that I don't necessarily have a feeling on one way or the other. Kind of like Anton and I were talking. It's it's very neutral. It's a very safe pick. Um, but Moose Rich Swan. Sammy Callahan, you have to think that, my God, why are we not trying to give one of these younger up and coming guys? Because that's what impact has to look at as far as the future of the company. Is it going to be Christian who then passes it on to one of those guys? Is that kind of the, maybe the thought process or what's your take on this whole thing?
8: It, it's, it makes sense only in the fact that he is part of their lineage. Uh, when he originally joined uh, TNA, when it was TNA, um, that was like getting to the height of my fandom with TNA because I was a big fan back then of that. And him winning the NWA World Heavyweight title, uh, you know, great, great moment and all that. And he brought some star power to them. And when we look at how he is now a living legend by all rights, uh, and him holding a title which he has some lineage to as far as uh, TNA Impact, uh, that that's it's good in a sense. Uh, couldn't have dropped it to anybody better as far as I guess an outsider. But when he goes to Impact to defend that title, I know he's supposed to be going against Brian Myers. I can't see Brian Myers holding the title. I'm sorry. It's a great, great wrestler, but you know I can't see that. But if they could have Cage drop it to someone like Moose, who's very dominant, or uh, Eddie Edwards, possibly Sammy Callahan, they have some uh, they have some names there that could take the title, and it would make sense. But uh, I think Omega losing the title to Cage is probably the best possible way they could do it, as far as At least here's a story we can work into, you know, our, the history of our company as far as impact goes and maybe he can pass the torch to someone else. And there you go.
3: I like it. Moondog. Um, When it comes to, you know, dropping belts and whatnot, there obviously has to be some reason behind it. I mean, it has to motivate something else. Do you feel like Christian Cage is going to be able to motivate and and be that driving force that kind of projects, the future or the direction of Impact Wrestling, meaning get the title on someone else. Do you see him as a transitional champion, or do you think he's going to hold that for a while?
10: It could go either way. I, I th- fucking Liam just stole my entire thoughts. It was like he was reading my mind. Um, hmm. it, it's I, I like legit the lineage, the the freaking um, this his run like. It sucks, because Christian himself doesn't really... Like, he never really... Not that he... I don't think he disses it, but like he never really holds his TNA run as high as of regard as uh, fans do. Because fans think about Christian's TNA run and Kurt Angle's TNA run, Jeff Hardy's TNA run, and think about how fucking underrated they all are. because But because it was Impact, it's, of course, oh, you know. But... I so, so a guy like Moose or Eddie Edwards or any any of those guys beating a guy like Christian is a big deal. It's probably going to be a big deal to a lot of those old school TNA fans and like, just like like you said, passing the torch and legit legitimacy uh, and add some legitimacy to that guy as a as a guy as a player in TNA and impact. You know,
3: I like it. Good, good point. Uh, next topic, I'm going to go throw it over to the bud here. This is kind of interesting. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, evidently USA Network told WWE that they only had so many, and I believe it was three or four, uh, dates that you were allowed to be preempted, meaning, you know, pre-record your show and air it. But now, um, WWE is going back to taping NXT. I heard USA Network isn't really, you know, happy about that. What's your thoughts on it being a taped show now? Does that change if you were a fan of NXT of that being true, or is this really kind of a non-existent thing?
7: Of course, it'll change it. Uh, you, you lose the excitement. Uh, there'll be no doubt the dirt sheets will leak what's going to happen for this week's show, which is a little bit disappointing. Some of like me, I don't, I haven't watched NXT in quite a bit now, but you sooner live. It's, it's just got a better feel to it. You, you have that I don't know what's going to happen feel. They have more control with it being taped. Obviously, I mean, you, know, you can play with different angles and cut out whatever you want to cut out. Heaven forbid somebody gets hurt or you know, there's a bad botch you can cut to a commercial or something like that. But I think it, it does take away. Live shows have more appeal to somebody like me then the pre-recorded, and then, then you put it on, and you, you doctor it up to make it look like whatever you want. I'd rather see it live.
3: I like it. Anton, they're going back to recording it. Is this taped or X if you remember that yeah. promo way back in... 1997 98 what's your thoughts on this i mean is there anything to be gained from going back to taping again i mean outside of worrying that the pandemic may go right back to being the craps or do you think this is a situation of man we have a lot to fix and it better be done in post than doing it live on tv
9: so a few few things on this one i still burn cds so i still know what memorex is oh holy crap yeah, hey, it works for for demo testing shit and cars and shit. See how it makes it sound. Besides the point, <laughs> oh. but so taping cost cutting because you're not running a live satellite feed, so that's True. instant instant expense cut down from what you know speculation, rumoring in your window shit we see online. Apparently, you know they're mad at Triple H for not using NXT to kill AEW. So
3: um, yeah, because it was really yeah. his fault, right? Let's go yeah, ahead and throw right, him under the right. bus
9: uh-huh so on the note of that i used to watch nxt weekly loved nxt it was dope even though it was taped especially because it was only an hour short quick stories very old school the few stories they had were awesome but it was like ring of honor from like O2. you know just indie wrestling you know what it was so and it reminded me of old school shit like old school syndicated shows it just worked The two hours in the live thing added more excitement, but continuing to still be from full cell nonstop. And then the pandemic and, you know, Capital Center, Performance Center, whatever. Just, it's all fucking weird. And I think Triple H is getting the fucking short end of the fucking stick on this one all the way around. Yeah, you get more control creativity-wise, you know, cut botches, cut fucking camera angles, whatever. But, okay, so SmackDown from like, like, 2 to fucking '08, (laughs) 8 You know, eh. We'll see. We'll. See. You, you can't go backwards. You can't. You know, put the toothpaste back in the tube. You can't go backwards. Once you've gone forward. You got to keep going, fucking forward. See it through, good or fucking bad.
3: I agree. Stay the course, like George Bush used to say. Let's throw it over to Renegade, who was uh, alive with me and Liam. Uh, and but for when uh, George W. Bush, uh, Bush one was actually in office, and and Bush, obviously, Bush two. With the rest of you guys were here, but um. Yeah. What's your take on a taped NXT again? I mean, you know, what what Anton says is it's it's a safety measure as far as cutting costs and whatnot, but my God, how many times are we going to use the phrase cutting costs when literally you're wiping your rear end with gold uh, toilet paper at this point? You're making so much damn money. What is the thought process if there is one at all?
6: A thousand points a lot. Yes.
10: Not going
3: that. Not gotten that. Don't be a one-termer. <laughs>
8: Stay of the course. Uh-huh.
10: <laughs> Love yep. it. Yep. Uh, the thought, I,
6: don't, I don't know what the thought process is per se, unless it's a lot of things that Anton said about, you know, uh, saving money on, on not running live feeds and things like that uh, and, and being able to, you know, being able to fix mistakes during the show. I, I personally don't like it i don't like tape stuff i i hate back in the day when raws were taped uh, and what's one of the i never watched used to never watch smackdown because it was taped and raws were live so i always watched raw it just live has a better exciting feel to it tape just that has a different dollar vibe uh, it, it's just not as fun to watch
3: facts word i agree it's good to craven uh taping Going back to taping. But we talked about this months ago that they didn't want that to happen. So whether or not they're pushing the envelope here with USA and NBC Universal, what can you think the reason would be to go back to being taped?
8: Uh, Save costs. Uh, live costs a lot more, I know, than uh, you know, a tape show.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: They could do two weeks of tapings, two or three weeks of tapings in one shot. Um, That saves, you know, it saves money. That's the main thing. The the main thing about WWE right now is they are trying to save money. We all know that. And them going back to that, I can't see how it would be a big deal other than having results leaked out and ruined for you, but you know what, it, this, like, N- NXT, that was the, th- the thing that really got me back into uh, wrestling to where I am now. And, uh, man, it was so good. It was so, so good. Tommaso Ciampa,
3: they, Johnny Gargano.
8: Oh, yeah, um, yeah
3: war machine there were so many good things that were going on right there yeah. um, their, their original war games was really good when they brought that back right. uh, Killian and Dane when he swallowed the key I mean there's a lot <laughs> of weird stuff but it
10: was good
8: yeah it was it was uh, it was the best product you could find out there as far as the wrestling as far as North American style wrestling it was excellent and um, I think you know going to two hours that was the the first blow pandemic second blow and then it's like i haven't really been able to watch it so it's uh you know if they could if they can go back to tapings and put together a more concise show great if they can go back to full sale i'm all in favor of that because that was the best crowd it was a great setup and i do not like how they have it right now it has no feel to it has no energy and it's very boring very vanilla and I'm not in favor of it. So that was like my one thing I really looked forward to each week, and it's gone. So uh, if they can bring it anywhere back to the prominence it had and maybe bring some talent, uh, some more fresh talent in there, great. But, I mean, I'm not not too interested right now. It's not going to – not much is going to happen for me as far as interesting me unless they make some major changes or just go back to what worked before.
3: Word up. So, once again, if you're not six foot, and you're not over 200 and some odd pounds, and you're a midget, which I don't even think is even politically correct, but that was in the memo, uh, that's what they want now in NXT. Now, wait a minute. When we say what they want, there is no they. I think that's very interesting when WWE releases a statement. It's not a they. Unless it's one guy, me, myself, and I, and there's a split personality, and you have a conversation going on inside your head. Yes, then maybe. But... NXT going back to taping shows. I'm sure this is not a, a Triple H, Shawn Michaels decision. This is the old man again. What's your take on this? I don't
10: really think it's the old man. It's the dickhead. Um, Nick Khan. It's probably <laughs> him. It's probably him uh, doing it because... He's the financial guy. Saving costs. Uh, which, like you said, what? why? How much, how much cost do you need... <laughs> how much money? There's nothing is wrong with I saving agree. money. There's nothing wrong with uh, that shit. But Jesus. I know. Um, uh, so it, NXT in general is going to be different. It's going to be weird because it's they fire a lot of guys, and most likely Vince is probably going to have more control of it. And rumor has it he wants to make it more like how OVW used to be, which is all fine. I get his thinking but you might as well have just launched another kind of NXT kind of thing because NXT now is held up in such high regard, which I argue it's not as high as it was before AEW. When AEW showed up, suddenly a lot of people's interests were like, oh, an actual alternative as opposed to an an alternative within...
3: I agree. uh, WWE WWE world, yes.
10: Yes, so uh, because I sure as hell stopped watching like I may have watched the first episode of uh, when they went to USA, and then after that I was like, all right, back to AW, and then I would catch an, an NXT match here or there, and then if, uh, uh, if uh, it was a a blue moon and that guy's ass cheeks pointing left, I'll uh, I, I'll watch NXT UK or a match from there. What the fuck? If you if you think uh, as much what? as I love as much as I love the guys at NXT UK. Okay, well, that,
3: well, hold on. That brings up a really good point. Why are they not airing NXT UK on USA Network? I mean, if you really want to put something else... It's
10: too niche. Because uh, it but,
7: sucks and nobody cares.
3: Uh, well, it's not
10: that it sucks. sucks. It's, it's good. Different. It's but different. No, no one sucks. talks about it. <laughs> like, here's the thing. There's no... It's like it doesn't uh, it's, exist. It, it's it's kind of like Impact before uh, the AEW relationship. It's great, but there's nothing... Like sizzling it. There's all steak and no sizzle. Like, there's, I can't think of the word, but. Pizzazz, spice. I guess. There's no substance. There's no substance. S- substance? There's no substance. Like, there's something missing. There's some- that's so. It's great, but yes. there's no
9: actual story. There's no actual reason for you to invest.
10: Exactly. Walter and Dragunov,
9: uh, yes. a feud from yes. the
10: Euro- European scene, finally yes. was on NXT UK. That in itself should have been a bigger deal than it actually than it was perceived by WWE. Well, not WWE fans, but like fans in general, because like, holy shit, we're getting it on WWE's television. They're television. doing it
8: again, I think.
10: I I
8: would. <laughs> no, they are. I'm pretty sure they're doing it at something like Takeover or something.
10: Oh fuck yeah! And that's the thing. Go. The Takeovers were like. Well, they were huge. Yeah, like, they were great. They mm-hmm. were supposed, by the sounds of it before Pandemic, with all those alleged NXT uh, promotions like NXT Asia, whatever that would have been. Um, even though that probably would have gutted the Japan scene, which would have made me cry inside. Um, like, it, imagine like you have all these all these like territories and then TakeOver is the supercar where all of them come in mm-hmm. and have Makes that sense. supercar. All their yeah. titles are on the line and shit like that. So it would be like the 2000s with Raw and SmackDown and ECW with the brands having their own fucking thing. It's it's funny because I'm actually getting excited at the thought of that happening, but it didn't. And I don't think it's ever going to at this point because it's too late and COVID is a bitch. And I I, I don't know if that NXT Asia thing is going to happen... by this point, no one, I don't think anyone's going to care as much as it's they dead. probably would have a year ago. Is it just it's me dead. or it,
3: it doesn't, I mean, if they threw in like you have NXT UK, NXT Asia, NXT Ireland, or, or I don't know, whatever, uh, NXT Africa, it, it feels like they're throwing up <laughs> Bixby's, Coffee, Tim Hortons. Oh, we're going to have a, a NXT Tim Hortons over here. It just feels like there's so many different br- franchises. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I, I get it having it in different areas and different territories, but at some point in time, don't you say, when do you stop? And I know Vince wants global domination. You've already gotten that. Congratulations. Pat on the back. Go have your Sunday and have your slippers. because Triple well, you are- H wants yeah. it. <laughs> I in mean, in this case,
10: because it's his, because this is going to be all spearheaded by him. Right. Yeah. But. It's going to be interesting change in wrestling, as we know, things change.
3: They do change. They do change greatly. Um, let me go ahead and throw it to here. That is my last topic for the night. Um, I know you're probably all thinking to yourself, what Freeland actually managed to show decently with time where we're not all going to be taking a shower and going to work. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I figured hey, what's it up
8: out with that. What's thousand,
3: thousand points of light, my friend. Um, I don't know. I actually Stay got of the my course. my my you know what together.
10: How <laughs> will he put food on his children?
3: I don't even have children. And, that, on a children? that was a,
10: that was a George Bush quote. Oh yeah, well,
3: George Bush. Exactly. <laughs> I hate to say this, but he was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I mean, he uh, he
10: was a dumbass.
3: He was kind. Of, do you know what's really Which funny? If we're going to talk politics real them. quick.
10: Here they go.
3: The, oh. Hold on, just really <laughs> quick. This is humorous. This is humorous, not to get into argument. Humorous? Do you know that <laughs> George Herbert Walker Bush and Barbara all felt that Jeb was the be-all, end-all? He was the smart one, the intelligent one. He was going to be the one in the family that was going to take the presidency after their father. And uh,
7: Does it take a lot to be a smart one in that family?
10: Then he fucked up in Florida, didn't he? (laughs) With with the 2000 election.
3: Oh, God.
7: More work boots are smarter than them.
3: (laughs) Wow. I do want to say this as well. I do want to say this. Happy birthday, Mikey Starks. You're a good dude. Thank you so much for supporting our show over the years. Um, We very much appreciate that. This one is for you, my friend. So I hope you enjoy yourself. Hope you had a great birthday. Um, All that stuff. Thank you. Well, so he might have celebrated early.
9: The we, we we are. Yeah, we're ahead of the curve.
3: Well, whenever you, <laughs> whenever you celebrate it, by all means, uh, have a wonderful one, and uh, just know that we support you. So, with that being said, um, anything else anybody wants to say, just randomly, real quick, before we go to the plugs.
8: Uh, the can I just say one? Yes.
3: Yeah. Floor, who wants to go first?
8: No, go ahead. Anton. Tom. go ahead. Go ahead.
9: I was gonna say the superhero in training wannabe shit that they're doing with Nikki Cross and her getting booed is apparently not going well. And to, again, when I see it, all I can think of is Rosie. From, Rosie, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know Rosie and the Hurricane, the superhero in training. You know the shit. That's, yep. So like, I can't. It's a PG version of that with a woman. That's all. That's all I see. And I've, I've seen this before. And this that's is not old, as good. I loved Nikki as she was. And yeah, what's old is new again. Fresh paint of coat, however you want to fucking word it. Look at it, but that, again, I see what I see, and I can't unsee it. If I want to go watch Hurricane and Rosie, I have the network. I'll go watch fucking Hurricane and Rosie. I'm sorry. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, why would
3: <laughs> you put yourself through it. that, my friend?
7: I like the I love
3: hurricane. Yeah, if I do too. That shit's if I ever, funny. It's funny. If I ever got captured by somebody and they held me hostage, I mean, there's not many things that would make me squeal. Waterboarding, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but making me watch uh, WWE, uh, I would definitely squeal. I'll give you my bank account the whole nine yards. That would definitely no, like I'll watch blood the old come shit. out of my eye.
9: I'll watch the old shit. That's not torture. If you make me watch new shit, I'll probably cry.
3: <laughs> uh, Craven, uh, what's your thoughts? You said you wouldn't have the floor.
8: Uh, I just wanted to make a point. Uh, with the Keith Lee thing that came out this week, he made a YouTube video explaining to everybody what's been going on. And it's kind of... It goes to my point about how you can't speculate. You need to look at facts. And the guy went through a shitload of problems. He was close to death. And people are speculating all sorts of shit. Like, he's unhappy. His girlfriend gave him COVID. All that shit. I'm it, It just... It reinforces my point that you need to have all the facts before you start making stupid fucking statements. And doing clickbait. And the guy... You know, he's been through a lot, and if if nobody knows what I'm talking about, he put up a YouTube video explaining basically what happened, and that he had uh, an inflammation of his heart, basically, from when he got COVID, and uh, it fucked him up so much where he couldn't have an accelerated heartbeat because it could kill him, and certain people you know, tried to make the story about, oh, well, he's not happy because they jobbed him out and stuff like that. It's important that everybody just kind of leaves things alone until they actually know the full story, and I fully endorse that, and I don't think enough people do that these days. Enough of the clickbait. Let's just wait until we get the full story from people, especially when it's uh, to do with their lives and uh, what's important to them.
3: Well said. Oh, yeah. Very well said. Let's go to but. Uh, But where can people follow you if you'd like to continue this conversation on social media or they'd like to hit you up with some of your woodworking projects? Because obviously uh, you are a a man of the wood. Uh, Tell us all about that.
7: Uh, i got new 2291 on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, hit me up if you want to talk a little bit of wrestling or about woodworking questions or you need something made that's not stupid. Let me know. Uh, don't ask me about fixing fucking stoves, though. It's a touchy subject right now.
3: Oh. <laughs> we will stay away from all the questions about ranges, but I feel like you could be the next host of This Old House. I really do. The hair looks good. The beard looks good, my friend. You're ready. You're a prime time player, my friend. Thank you. Mazel tough Let's go ahead and let's Ooh. throw it on over to... <laughs> to anton <laughs> anton where can people reach you uh get a hold of <laughs> you business contacts all the good stuff
9: anton i nick on twitter i feel rotten on instagram same things at gmail fucking need to finish my websites in so i can actually direct y'all there and should be able to do that soon so but thank you as always freeland always enjoy being here awesome we love I your couple of michael hayes yeah a of michael hayes this week
3: <laughs> i love week, it i was so late you were just happy i was here Uh, This is true. Very true. I was worried. I was like a a concerned mother. Um, uh, Renegade, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, What's new with you? Where can people find you? What are some projects you're working on? Give everybody the deets.
6: Yeah. So the, as mentioned earlier, but uh, myself will soon be working with wood as well. Uh,
3: Yes. Please, please, please tell us about the three picture (laughs) deal that you got.
6: Yeah. So, 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 so Tune in. Keep an eye out for my <laughs> Robin Williams, my Robin Williams trilogy. The Robin Williams trilogy, okay. The Robin Williams trilogy, yes. Yeah, so, Wet Dreams May Come, Mrs. Crotchfire, yes, and uh, Hooked. Man, that hooked. Was, uh, that was the last. One. And if people aren't uh,
3: familiar with that, they should just go ahead and look <laughs> look that up.
6: Absolutely, coming to a hub near you.
3: And uh, so, <laughs> so, with uh, a U, yeah.
6: <laughs> That's right. Uh, some, somebody mentioned the Patch Adams one. Snatch Adams was too easy. Right. I, I'm going to stay away from that
9: one. But, uh, but where is he on the zone? Everyone should oh, stay no. away from
6: Snatch oh, Adams. <laughs> that's that's At right. At this point, I'm going to
3: say Renegade
7: is in the Yellow
3: Zone. Yellow Zone. What's going on in the Yellow Zone? Tell me what how you would describe that. He's being silly. See, I mean, you he's got not
7: frustrated, the... <laughs> worried, a really little excited, but he's... Definitely silly, but that's okay because he's a funny silly. I can he, deal with that.
3: He is a funny silly. That's right. Because there's a big difference between being a belligerent, nasty silly and funny. So please continue with uh, with your movies.
6: Yeah. So uh, so that's to start out. Uh, so we'll we'll be we'll be expanding in the future, depending on how how they're going to be short
8: films. <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, <laughs> but um. Psh-
6: I, I i'm actually I'm actually submitting my my earlier one where I'm uh, it, it's it is it is a short it's kind of like an entry video to see if there's some interest there it's uh it'll be I'll be starring as Nicolas Cage in done in 60 seconds <laughs> done in sixty uh,
4: seconds wow it, it's
7: an entry film hey
6: <laughs> yeah it, it's an exit and entry film oh. there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
7: oh, yeah, we're getting fucking canceled
6: <laughs> so uh yeah, so we'll see. I got some other ideas going. There might be a Tom Spank series uh, nice. down the road. So we'll see where this goes.
3: I like it. Where can people find you on social media? Nowhere. Why are
6: <gasps> Why are
3: you Why are you not on social media? Is there a reason for that?
6: But yeah, people. There's okay. People. <laughs> there's 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 a lot of people on there. Disrespected.
3: It's too much. It's too much. It is, you get claustrophobic.
6: A lot of words, a lot of feelings. Loves, we just stay with.
3: I like it. Well said. Uh oh jeez. Man, that's that a shot. Really hey Crave. Oh. What's, What's uh what where can people find you? What are some you're things hired. that are yeah, yeah, you're
6: hired. Thank you. Oh
1: my
10: God, Thank you.
3: A, we have porn auditions that are going on right now on the show as we speak. I don't this need one.
10: That's what yeah. you want.
3: What uh tell the audience what's going on with you, where they can find you, all that good stuff.
8: Savage Liam on Twitter, Savage Liam nineteen seventy-eight on Instagram and search Liam Savage on YouTube. Uh, got some more music videos up this week. And Why is there I'm for no going... music. Yeah, because that's shit. So <laughs> uh, I, I will go towards uh, putting up some rarities of uh wrestling soon it's in my queue so um there's some stuff up there already uh some people have told me about their uh watching the Cyber q a's from ecw nice. that i have up there so lots to look at everybody and uh, uh yeah
3: nice like it yeah well done well done Thank you. to our, to our resident wrestler, Moon Murray. Moon Dog, what is going on with you? When's the next show? What's new in the wrestling world with you? All the deets.
10: Uh, <laughs> so I gotta try out this Thursday with a cup with a school in Chicago. Nice. Uh, yeah. Maybe, uh, hitting them up. Hopefully it goes well. Uh, it should. There's no reason it, will. it shouldn't. It will. Um. So just we're gonna go from there, and then. It, next week, I'm going to appear on um, front of the show, Mike Units' uh, MWO podcast. Nice. I'll be opening up a little bit more about my departure from uh, Premier Pro Wrestling on that show. Fuck that so, guy. So uh, you'll get to hear more about that whole situation there. But here on FRM, it's all fun, giggles, and poop jokes. So... Uh, if you want to buy merch, if you want to buy my merch, go to brainbustertees.com slash moondog hyphen greg hyphen murray. Like that. Buy, uh, buy a shirt, buy stickers, buy hats, all sorts of shit. I, in fact, there's going to be a new design, but it's actually for um, the Shellshock Network, so I'm going to just take advantage of me having that. So my Twitch streaming shit should have shirts it's soon itself. So cool. other than that... um. Follow me on Twitter at Moondog Murray, Instagram Moondog Greg Murray. and that's pretty much it.
9: When I say fuck that guy, I don't mean Mike Unit, I mean the dude from your old school. Oh, I know, fuck I that know. Guy. I, I, no, I wanted to throw that out there. Don't want it to be misinterpreted that I'm saying fuck Mike on air. I'm saying fuck nah, that guy fuck. from your old company from based on what you sent me, sent the group chat. Fuck that guy. Fuck yeah. that guy
3: so hard. There you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, you made your point. Right, that's...
10: We're all up. about it next week on MW yeah, find okay. out all about
3: it
7: same paper finish no lube like
3: oh jesus Jeez, shit oh jesus for yeah, the butts for Anton for Moon Dog Greg Murray for Craven Warhead fuck uh yep yeah, already in the green zone for Renegade who does not want to be reached out for any reason whatsoever just tune in and listen to him if you literally uh-huh. send him mail he will throw it away I am Mike Freeland. It has been so much fun. And as always, we thank you so much for taking a part of your Tuesday evening to join with this wonderful group of people as we talk about wrestling. But that's going to do it. We'll catch you next week on Furt Row Material.